Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Congratulations. Your morning just got a bit classier. A media legend, a ferocious linebacker, a clueless producer, and you. Searching for a replacement window online? Visit windownation.com today. So raise a glass and act accordingly. This is Bishop and Laurenitis. All right, let's do it live on a first Friday miracle edition of the program. How you live at threes? Oh, living the dream. Elite morning, little 30-minute Stairmaster, followed up with a 30-minute infrared sauna. You know, get the the sweat going and then just let it keep pouring out, keep detoxing. And then the best part is when you wake up to the group text from a bunch of your old teammates and the (laughs) thick skin that is required in this group of individuals. (laughs) No, this is Rams or Buckeyes. This is oh, this is Rams. This yeah. is Rams. Um, so it all started with William Hayes, and it's all Will. It's all Will's fault. Um, it's all Will's fault. So we got we got you know Chris Long, Todd Gurley, Michael Brockers, Aaron Donald, Robert Quinn, William Hayes, Eugene Sims, Kendall Langford, all on this um, group <laughs> chat. And I wake up to um, <laughs> eight oh seven. I didn't wake up. I got out of the shower at eight oh seven too. Damn Brock, they shipped you off. <laughs> Oh no! You thought you wanted to retire a ram, but congrats on the new journey. <laughs> Who hit him with that? Oh, congrats uh, on w- your journey, w- William Hayes. Wow, and, that's uh, cold blooded. And uh, Robert sucks. Quinn just puts the turd emoji with a sweating face, and then says, "Join the club." Um, 80s sitting back saying, "Y'all speaking for yourselves." <laughs> Donald. Jeez. So if, if you're just anyway, it goes us. on, bro. We've had about already 65 texts through this. Um, it well, is this is this is if you're just joining us. Brockers was shipped to Detroit yesterday. Yes, and and the and this is big for several reasons. Number one, uh, obviously, there's connective tissue with you, and and we've heard you talk about this group and these guys before, and so you feel like you know him a little bit. But more than that, he was Les Snead's first pick, right? Yep. So there's that. They asked him to redo his contract. He said, no thanks. They shipped him to Detroit, but it's more than that. Upon the acquisition of Matthew Stafford, Brocker said it's he's at another level than Jared Goff. Guess who's the quarterback of Detroit? <laughs> Jared Goff. They, that's what they just put in the uh that's what William just put in the in the group text. Just hit him with this it. Is, this Will is Hayes the direct is killing quote. people. This is the oh he always does. This the the funny thing is that when Will Hayes is in there and they're saying they tried to ship me to Cleveland and I told him no way I'm not going to be a Brown you better ship me somewhere warm so that's why I went to Miami I'm not I'm not being done like that he goes you need to tell your agent to reconsider he said bro this conversation is amazing um, direct quote is it a level up in my heart deeply yes I believe what he brings it's a level up he told DMZ. I don't want to say we're a lock for the Super Bowl, but just having a quarterback like that and seeing what we did last year and seeing what he can bring to this team, it's no wonder why we can't win at all. And the funny thing, man, is that it, these guys are crushing them. Oh, my gosh. Kendall Langford. I thought that was a joke. See long. Nope, I forgot. <laughs> Jeez. 
Jeez. Anyway, it's cold-blooded. That's what I'm trying to. Fo- I'm trying to focus on the show, and I got these. I'm, the I have, Will Hayes one is the line. C- congratulations on your journey. Is that how he started it? Oh yeah. Congratulations on your journey. That's Damn. the line. I Damn mean, that's rock. just an unbelievable line. And the hilarious thing is that all journey. of us in here, besides Aaron Donald, have been cut or traded from the Rams, right? So that's yeah. the funny thing is that like we've all been there too, but you just got to have really thick skin. You know, when you're everybody in, in that group has been traded. There are all pros, all pro bowlers, all time leaders in statistical categories for the franchise. The only one who gets to stay is maybe the greatest defensive tackle of all time. Other than oh, that, yeah. and we crushed. We'll AD see on down the road. <laughs> and these guys are crushing AD. And uh, that's good. I'm, I that said what good. I said. I said I'm just surprised that Aaron still still is in this group text. And uh, that's true. Yeah, stop that, true. James. Cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> I love how That's Chris good. Long wakes up. Wait, I just woke up. What happened? That's at eight thirty, bro. You got two kids. How are you just waking up? When do you put him to bed? Well, anyway. I mean, the lifestyle anyway. choices could anyway for Sea Long, which are pretty legendary. Hey, did you uh, was St. Patrick's Day a big deal in Minnesota growing up? Uh, it might have been to other people. It was not to the animal. No, St. Patrick's Day was never. It wasn't. Animal. It wasn't in. There was one town in Montana that made a big deal about it in yeah. Butte. Um, yeah. is is kind of where there was a big deal about it. Okay, Nobody where is Butte? Really because as I look up the five-star Forbes resorts that you sent me yesterday for our tenure, <laughs> and I love how you're like, oh, right. no, they're not going to break the bank. And, you know, when I look at typical staying per night in March, it's like over two grand a night. And I'm like, gosh, what am I getting? Am I getting am I, do I get a horse with it? Do I get to bring the I, I horse home? It. Anyway. I, yeah. To be fair, it's not like I price them. I mean, I just go home, so I don't I don't price them, so I don't know. Anyway, what's um, amazing is that I they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful. But as I'm looking, yeah. a lot of them, like, it's like you see on the mat, and then you see Butte. And you're like, well, what, what, what what's going on in Butte? Besides well, it's, uh, at, one point, at one point, it was called the richest hill on earth. Um, mm. It was, and copper was discovered there, and it was uh, the, the wealthiest hill on earth is what it was. And they mined the living heck out of the town, and it was a rough humble, old west, turn of the century from 1800s to 1900s, uh, thrived and was the richest till on earth. And then it all went away. <laughs> and it's yeah. tough. It's a, it's probably, the, in Montana, it's probably the toughest town that you can go to. I mean, it's, it's pretty rough. And they they have this thing called the Berkeley Pit, which was a, an open pit copper mine that basically, in the, I want to say in the late 70s, early 80s, they just stopped mining. And the thing just filled up with water. So it is literally uh, a toxic soup that is thousand feet deep. That is just on the side of town. It's crazy. It's a crazy thing. Um, so yeah, you, that, it's not a place to go on vacation. It's beautiful. It's in the middle of the mountains. It's beautiful. Um, but it's, no, I just see that usually wherever you land, you're you know if you're coming from the east, and you're, yeah. you know going west, you're going to go through Butte. And I'm like, oh, you know where? What, what is this? What is this town here? What is yeah. this? What's this? Yeah, that's it. On? Yeah, that you won't ever fly into there for the places you're going. I mean, although it, I mean it's close to really beautiful places. There's a great uh, Jack Nicholas golf course there in Anaconda, which is another mining town um, called uh, Old Works. It's a uh, Nicholas course where they took this black. Their bunkers are black slag, and so the 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 bunkers are pitch black that they took from the mining, and they mm. they filled the bunkers with this black slag. It's called, and it's beautiful. It's it's an awesome course, but it's just you know the town itself is pretty tough. But they're the only place that did St. Patrick's Day. That's it. And then my wife uh, has some Irish on her mom's side, and so. You know, then all of a sudden I gotta have corned beef and cabbage and I gotta have Irish stew and we gotta have lucky charms for the boys in the morning and we're wearing green. I don't even have anything green. 
It's a color that's escaped my wardrobe. I don't have a shirt. I don't have a quarter zip. I don't have a hoodie. Nothing. It's nothing green. So it's for me. It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't. So and growing up, it was just was not something that that you paid a whole lot of attention to. But I am very keenly aware of how important it is in this part of the country. Um, and certainly went to the Dublin Irish Festival with Dami several yeah. times over my time, and, and that's always a yeah. good time. So um, and the fact that it falls on a first Friday, I'm guessing many of you will be acting accordingly today. Yeah, I, I mean, I would think so. But like, yeah, like you said, it never was anything that I celebrated, even as through college. Like, I really didn't understand. Um, St. Paddy's Day, I understand that Dublin out here took it seriously. Um, I've still never been to the St. Patrick's Day parade out here. It's my third year living here, and obviously last year it didn't happen, and this year it was a yep. drive-through parade. Um, so I guess two out of the three years we've lived back here, <laughs> it's kind of been an excuse right. not to go. But, um, I, yeah, I'm just not um, – it's not high on my radar. And I'm not one to really celebrate, to be honest. I celebrated Cinco de Mayo once. You know, sure. like I, I just, that's another one. Yep. If it's, if it's something that isn't, um, I guess culturally back to, gosh, these guys are just crushing each other. My goodness <laughs> this oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Will go, this man went from St. Louis to LA and now back to East St. Louis. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, I, you know, it, it wasn't, unless it was something that I had a deep, like, you know, um, history with it just, I respect it and I and I appreciate yeah. it and um Cinco de Mayo I only remember one time really um enjoying myself. I believe it was the Floyd Mayweather and Oscar De La Hoya the day fight. Sure. Um yeah, sure, maybe. All I know I mean Mayweather won obviously. But yeah. I um that's one of the only that's one of the only times that I've celebrated that. It's just not anything that has really been on the radar, but I also having been here St. Patrick's Day, but I'm the same way. I didn't have anything green until I think I bought a Dublin Jerome T-shirt like two years ago when I moved back. There you go. So that's the only thing I got. It's not even green. It's, green it's, yeah. it's literally like a. It's gray with the it's green so celts on it or Celts, whatever. I used to have the only thing I had green. I had a green uh, memorial ball cap, like a bright green. Oh, besides cash, you roll in. Well, that I swim in that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the the binder on it broke so i got it that's that was literally the only thing i had so i would wear that at st patrick's day and that was it um nevertheless uh i'm thrilled that you all are partaking if you are partaking in one of the great traditions and i do this every st patrick's day as soon as i became aware is i go to youtube and i go to uh i type in fergal murray and you say well Bo, who the hell's fergal murray who why, why, why who, no one even knows who that is oh you should you should because he is the guinness master brewer and what Fergal Murray does is takes pouring a Guinness um, as serious as a heart attack. And I have such respect for this man. It, there's two. There's one where him pouring it from a can, and there's one of him pouring it from a uh, draft. They are essentially the same process, although I say that, and he would slap me right in the mouth if he heard it because it is not exactly the same process. Uh, but the end game is the same. And his enthusiasm for pair, for pouring a Guinness, whether it be through draft or through can, is unmatched uh, by any man. You remember in Harbaugh you say un, uh, unmatched, an enthusiasm unmatched by anyone of mankind? Yes. That's how he pours a Guinness, that type of seriousness. So we cut up a little bit for you just to set the tone today on St. Patrick's Day, a first Friday, St. Patrick's Day edition. Hit it, Chops. Hi there, I'm Fergal Murray, the Guinness Master Brewer, and everybody deserves a pint of Guinness that looks like this. So step five, take it back. Push the tap away. It opens it a little slower so the beer doesn't come in at too high a speed. You create that perfectly domed pint. Present that 
you're a fantastic customer, look him in the eye so he can recognize you just crafted perfection. And step six, standing proud, looking to the horizon, bringing that elbow up. You're going to take a quick sip, pull the liquid through under the head and watch that flavor explode. Sweetness at the front, roastiness at the side, and bitterness as it goes down the back of the throat. Smooth, cascading, the perfect wine again. Standing proud, looking at the horizon. I what mean, do you want in life? My goodness. I wish I, my wife would love for me to talk to her like about that, like that. I mean, this guy, yeah. this is unbelievable. Standing proud, looking at the horizon, cascading. What a legend. I love that guy. Fertile. I mean, that'll set goodness. a tone for you. My what do you. When you see, is this the most, is this the biggest gut punch from an NFL fan base that you could ever have? So this is Schefter yesterday mm. tweeting, Chicago made, quote, a very aggressive pursuit of Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson per sources. And the Bears were told that Seattle is not trading with this point. The Bears were one of four teams Wilson's agent named as a place of interest. Now Chicago has an agreement with Andy Dalton. <laughs> that doesn't sum up being a Bears fan. I saw an awesome. I don't know tweet what does. I mean, that, that is unbelievable. Yeah. We tried. We went yeah. after him. We almost got Russell Wilson. We were very aggressive. Instead, here's Andy Dalton, who, by the yeah. way, we could have had last year. Could have had last year. Yeah. We wouldn't have had to give him the contract extension that they gave Foles. Would not have had to give up the fourth round pick that, that they gave up to the give Foles. They could have just signed yesterday. Dalton last year. <laughs> Was that? Had I was, like, for two years. was like, hold on. You mean to tell me we decided to take on Foles' ridiculous cap hit when Andy Dalton was a free agent just to yeah. have Foles and Dalton on the roster the next year? Okay. Yeah. The Bears. Wouldn't you, if you were a Bears fan, wouldn't you rather have kicked the? T- wouldn't you rather have had Marcus Mariota? Wouldn't you have rather paid yeah. Jameis Winston? Wouldn't you have yes. said, let's see if we can find something for somebody mm-hmm. young here? And this yeah. is. Somebody, and I, I am somebody who certainly has defended Andy Dalton before as a no, franchise No, I want someone that has a cannon won, of an arm. He's won divisions. Like, I, I respect what he's accomplished. <laughs> but this note, like, what are you doing at this stage of his career and your franchise? How the heck do you sell this to a fan base? Oh, man. How do you sell it to the locker room? Oh, man. Jeez. I mean, that's about as bad of a but... Jeez, it's cold-blooded. Bro, I just, all I know is they got a, a really strong arm to just cut through that Chicago breeze, oh. you know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I remember talking about this. Why would you go for the was... guy who does not have the strong arm? This is like, you know, like this is. Of course. It makes no sense. Of course. Now you're going to have him like, compete with Nick Foles? Like, what are we doing? Why would you? I, it's 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 befuddling. They are. I've always said this. They can get away with it because they are a. It is a diehard football town that loves the Bears the most, and they are a. They got sixty thousand seats, and they can sell them no matter what, and and it doesn't really matter. People are always going to talk about the Bears and love the Bears, and because of that, it's how you get away with this stuff. That's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's. It's a it's pretty incompetent to be in this position that they're in. Um, the Browns and the Bengals uh, have had some interesting days in free agency. We'll get to that and what to make of those signings. Um, a pretty wild night for Deshaun Watson as we'll try to make some sense of, of what happened there. We are pretty loaded up on the program today as well. Scooney Penn will join the program. Chris Holtman will join the program. Uh, we will also start our series, Three Men Competing for the Quarterback Job at Ohio State. 
What makes them tick? We go back to guys who covered them or coached them or around them in high school. Today we do C.J. Stroud. You have that to look forward to, which is nice. It is a first Friday. Let's all act accordingly. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Buckeyes, jackets, hard-hitting talk, and Rothman saving dogs. You know, just a typical day at a sports radio station. The Fan, Ohio's sports destination. If you say something with confidence, then you can't be wrong. I, just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know. This is Bishop and Laurinaitis. And brought to you by our great friends at Window Nation. If you're in need or search for place of windows, check them out. WindowNation.com, 866-90Nation. Today, they will take care of you the way that they take care of us. Bengals and Browns in free agency. We talked about uh, certainly the signing of John Johnson earlier in the week from the Browns. They added Tack McKinley yesterday, one year, $4 million. A lot of people go, oh, my gosh, so this is their tight, their defensive end opposite Miles. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I, th- I think they'll still try it's to pursue depth. a veteran in this. This is a depth guy with a high rotation. ceiling. Yep. Yeah. He's 25. Yep. He's a former first round pick. Um, and he's somebody they tried to climb three different, claim three different times on waivers. Um, so they must like the athletic profile. He fits what they, if you think Andrew Berry's been on the job a little over a year. If you go look at the guys that they brought in, whether it's Carl Joseph, Kevin Johnson, um, in many instances, they will kick the tires on high profile guys who are first round picks, second round picks, who it just mm-hmm. hasn't worked out coming to the end of their deals. Yeah, that's what they're looking for, and that's what McKinley is. Yeah, because I mean, what's the what's really the risk? You know, is if if you get them, there's a certain there's a certain athleticism and skill set with Tack McKinley that would lead you to believe, um, for one, that led him to be a first round pick, but also that is rare, right? Like there's there's yeah, certain there traits, traits that guys have that are just rare. They're not growing, you know, like. Effort, energy, all that technique. Okay, that some of that stuff. But when you have certain athlete, like a um, LB coach with the Rams used to say, you know, look, there's there's certain things mommy daddy gave you that, you know, they didn't give somebody else. Now he would never never say that to me. He would say it to the other guys. But um, <laughs> right. you know, the point is like there's certain athleticism. Like Alec Ogletree, I used to remember there was certain ways that his legs bent that he could squat under a like a guard or dip under a guard and then just explode back the other way where I'm like, my goodness, I think my, my ankles and my knees would tear if I tried to do that. I had to do it a different way. I would have to go up there, you know, thump the guard, try to control him, throw him, where Alec could like make a shake, dip underneath and swing right back and be completely balanced. And I'm like, well, yeah, there's that, that's, that's just natural, right? <laughs> there's no, there's no amount of yep. workouts or drills I can do to mimic that. Um, and so what what you do is you take a chance on some of these guys. And when you take that chance, you are are hoping that a fresh start changes something in their mind and maybe in their desire and their will to kind of get after it and in their career. And so if it doesn't work out, okay, you're, you're not going to be upset if you have to cut Tack McKinley because he's a problem or because it's just nothing, nothing worked out. Okay, no big deal. He wasn't a big, you know, but if he ends up working out, now you're like, oh, man, look at the Browns. They figured out Tack and look at that skill set. You know, so I, I like that strategy. Now, you don't want him to be your other starting guy without any other depth, right? Do you draft somebody? Do you Are you still in the market? But I think uh, it definitely helps with the depth. 
I think they're still in the market. I, th- I think Hassan Reddick is an interesting one. I think uh, Jadavian Clowney, who they've been in before, is an interesting one. Um, I still think they're looking. This is just a different roadmap for them. Um, you know, there was a time that you thought the roadmap would be uh, pretty straightforward, and it would be all right. Go get Carl Lawson. Well, they didn't want to pay fifteen million a year, give thirty million guaranteed to Lawson or Hendrickson. So then that plan changes, and now you go the veteran route, which they've done with Olivier Vernon in the last couple of years, and it worked out just fine. So we'll go that way, and I think they'll draft one. I think you can get an elite defensive end in this draft late. It's a really deep class, and there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks. There could be a run on receivers. There could be a run on offensive linemen in this draft. And if that happens, somebody like Quiddy Pay, potentially, um, yeah. could fall to you at 26 if you like him. Um, and and if, for, for people that will say, well, you're not going to get it. There's no elite defensive ends in this draft. You're not going to go elite pass rush in this draft. T.J. Watt was the 30th pick. So it's it's entirely possible to get somebody really good at the end of the first round who can rush the passer. Yeah. And this is a really deep draft. So it's it's very, very It's entirely possible, possible to get great rotational productive DNs in later draft like sure. parts of the draft. Like William Hayes, I think, was like a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick. Eugene Sims, uh, I know for us, was like a fourth round pick. Um there, there were certain traits that you saw with them out of you know smaller schools. Winston Salem State for Will Hayes. It was West Texas A and M for Eugene Sims. Um, you know, so these are these aren't your big schools, but there's a certain height, weight, skill set uh, that you said. You know what? Gosh, we can develop this, and now you become a rotational to where it's like Miles Garrett is your absolute dude. Like for us back then, before everyone knew about AD, it was Robert Quinn before we got AD. Right, it was Robert yeah. Quinn was our one guy. Chris Long was very good, but Robert Quinn was like our Pro Bowler, you know. And then, but behind him, it would enable you that if Chris needed a spell, you felt Will Hayes can come in there and hold his own, and, and you know, if, if he gets the right matchup, could give you a sack, you know, as well. That's what it's all about: is being able to rotate in eight different dudes along that line yeah. and be comfortable with whoever's in the game. Bengals, as we talked about yesterday, adding Trey Hendrickson, also Chidobi Awuzie. Um, yesterday they had Mike Hilton from the Steelers, nickel corner for them. Um, so that's that's in what they did there. What I think is interesting, and I think this would be tough, that I think is an interesting philosophy, is they drafted Lawson, they drafted Jackson, and they both of those guys are gone, and they replace him in free agency. Historically, that is not a way to do business. No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't understand how you can let players that you have sought out, got, developed. Because there's two things why it's not good business. We know free agency, um, I love the analogy yesterday about how it's like online dating and you're just marrying somebody without, but that you had two guys that are, that you, that for one, know you're, and, I don't, and I'm not saying maybe Carl, Carl said that he was, that the Bengals were still the favorite. So like, at least what Carl verbalized, even after they didn't franchise him, was that he wanted to stay in Cincinnati. Now, whether that's true or not, but so all indications to me are that Cincinnati didn't want to pay him. Um, but then they ended up paying Trey Hendrickson. And so you're saying then to the, all the other young players in your locker room that, nah, you know what, we'd rather go elsewhere than what we have in the building. Like there is a, there yep. is a lot to be said when a young player sees that someone who has put in the effort, put in the time, put in the commitment that the organization respects it, takes care of them, and keeps them. When you don't have that, it starts to – because now if you're a young player in the Bengals, who's to say, okay, well, they obviously don't want to pay our own. Yep. And that's that's just a bad way to do business. 
Yeah, yeah, it is, and it's a tough, it's a tough way to. And you you also spend a lot of time. If you just get the extensions done with Lawson and Jackson, you and and give them their money, you then can focus on what you really need, which is interior offensive line. So they still have to do that. They've got to get after that because the most important thing for them, more than anything, more than wins or anything, is keeping Joe Burrow upright and having his development go on schedule. When you have the ability to draft somebody like that, you have to protect them. You have to. You have to. That's the, the I and I listen. I'm sure you're tired of me hearing talking about it, but what Andrew Barry did last year for the Browns, with the organization did last year with the Browns, that's how you put a quarterback in the best position to succeed. What yeah. the Browns found out last year because of who they signed in free agency in Conklin and Hooper, because they knew that would help. They knew they needed to get better on the offensive line at tight end. And mm-hmm. in the in the drafting of Jedrick Wills, is they allowed for a litmus test for Baker Mayfield. We are going to put you in the best position to succeed. If you don't, if you can't swim, then we'll move on. We'll move right. on. Right. But how can you, you can't do a litmus test with Joe Burrow if you're not putting him in the best position to succeed. So then right. how do you even know what you have? Yep. The Browns found out last year what they had. And if Baker would have kept on the trajectory that he was on to start the year, up until the interception against Cincinnati, if that would have continued, the Browns might be in on the Deshaun Watson deal. Yeah. They maybe were looking for a quarterback if that yeah. happened. Yeah. But they like what they saw, and they like how he learned, and they like how he got better because they put him in a position to succeed. You have to do the same thing if you're the Bengals. You have to. Baker Otherwise, was, Baker was on the ropes at times. Oh boy, was before he. the bye week. Oh I mean, I remember boy, was he. I mean, he had to make the throw to Donovan Peoples Jones. Um, I mean, there was times where you're like, man, I'm just. <sighs> what is he saying? What exactly? Early on, oh my gosh. There's, I mean. And give him credit mentally yes. to stay with it and to keep working and to stay um, quiet about it, but just let his play speak for himself for the most part and lead that team through the end. But he was, man, at that bye week, you're, Andrew Barry wouldn't even commit to him. Never. Nope. Well, you know, we evaluate sure. the whole roster. He's, yep. you know, okay. Yeah. So, but that, that you, you give him a, you say, here is the best chance for you to succeed. And they're not doing that right now with Burrow. No. So that's that's the thing that's concerning. I mentioned Deshaun Watson, a wild accusation last night um, that went on social. It was crazy. Watson responded to it. It's a serious allegation. Uh, I don't even really know what to do with it, but we'll attempt to try coming up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Rothman and Ice, the hardest working radio show in the business. This may offend our other shows, but honestly, they're too lazy to care. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. It's Bishop and Laurinaitis's What's Up? What's up, man? Sponsored by your Central Ohio Honda dealers. So I didn't. Um, I first saw this, and here's what's up on a uh, on a first Friday. I first saw this last night. Benjamin Albright, who NFL insider works out of Denver, um, tweeted out a a notes that it, he said came across his desk from an attorney in Houston who alleged, although not specifically, uh, that Deshaun Watson um, went too far with a woman um, who was giving him, um, you know, was giving a massage or something like this and went on Fox TV in Houston as well. Um, Watson responded on Twitter uh, after word of the suit. Again, these are not criminal charges. These are not criminal charges. This is an attorney 
filing a suit against Deshaun Watson, going public with it, and writing it in a notes and then getting it out to the NFL Twitter. Um, Watson responded to it this morning. As a result of the social media post by a publicity-seeking plaintiff's lawyer, I recently became aware of a lawsuit that has apparently been filed against me. I have not yet seen the complaint, but I know this. I have never treated any woman with anything other than the utmost respect. The plaintiff's lawyer claims that this isn't about money, but before filing suit, he made a baseless six-figure settlement demand, which I quickly rejected. Unlike him, this isn't about the money. For me, it's about clearing my name and look forward to doing that. This is where you are in 2021. Yep. Now, I'll be I I you, nobody knows anything. You and I certainly don't know anything right. about any of this. Yep. We know what we what we know is what we've seen and what people have vouched for with Deshaun Watson's character and who he is. That we know. Um, we know that there are no charges. We know that the uh, specificity of the allegations are not known, and that and and that's it. So we don't know anything other than that. But this is how this is how reckless it can be nowadays. Yeah, that you that anything. Now there this there may be validity to this. Who knows? We don't. Again, we don't know. I have no idea. You have no idea. But the fact that th- this is the channel. To pursue, if you're looking for justice, that this is a channel to, to pursue it. This is why it is so dangerous right now. Things can go viral in a second. You can get a word out in a second. It can get pushed around in a second. And now, if he's innocent, Watson is now forced to prove his innocence publicly. Yeah. Like he tries to do this morning. Yeah, It is a scary time in that sense, buddy. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, for, it's, it's hard to really know what to do with it because we just don't know, I guess, the facts, the truth, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can you can in your mind say, oh, of course this is somebody seeking financial benefit, right? This is somebody who's trying to use Deshaun Watson and trying to, I mean, a six-figure settlement demand. Um, there is stories in your mind where you can say oh yeah i can see how an athlete not Deshaun, but you know just an athlete would try to take something too far you know like humans have this evil side to them you know what i mean they have a sinful side to them so you can claim you can go down whatever path you want to believe whatever spectrum you want to look through especially when something like this happens where there's not much that we can know. It's a, it's a late night kind of tweet. I woke up to it. I didn't even see it last night. Yeah. I woke up to his response. I didn't even re- wake up to the actual, you know, attorney thing. I woke up to his response. And so without knowing much more and really without having been there, it's like, oh, gosh, what is, uh, I don't know. It's, it makes you uncomfortable talking about it because yeah. obviously deep down at your core, you're hopeful that nothing was taken too far. Um, and, and you're hoping that if nothing was taken too far, you're hopeful that this isn't just that, that Deshaun can have his reputation cleared because sure. part of the damage, like no matter what, there's going to be some people who are going to run with this today and the world of social media and just news anyway, right? Just to be loud and not be right. Um, some will take this and, and go with it to where you're like, Come on, man! Like if the, if if he didn't do anything, you just then you feel just sick for him because now he's dealing with some just junk that he doesn't even need to deal with. But right. that's if nothing happened. If, if something happened, you know, you're, so you're always just like I'm always hopeful like, when these things come out. Um, I'm always hopeful that 
you know, justice happens, right? No matter sure. who's been wronged or whatever. And that goes for Deshaun if this is something that is someone trying to get a cash grab. And that goes for the woman if um, if Deshaun went too far. But it's hard, you know, when you just wake up instant an- you know, analysis on this situation to really understand one way or another what kind of what happened here. Um, I think it's wise from his perspective to come out and just address it right away and not just be silent about it, right? Like sure. he came up instantly yeah. and was like, hold on a second. This this guy saw six figures from me. I didn't, you know, like, so it made it seem like, oh, I've known about this. Yeah, this guy's been trying to get six figures from me. I'm not sure. ashamed of it. He's trying to damage my name. Um, you know, so he seems to be out and aggressive of it, you know, but having said that, we've seen before people who have tried to be like that and then they were at fault. So I don't, I don't know, man. It's hard. It's hard and it's... Um, I don't know. There's just so many things that kind of go through your mind. And and when you do that and you try to guess and try to come up with your own conclusion, you know, you're looking at a situation through your own lens and, um, well, he could go, he can go a long way to put this up. He makes Deshaun makes the comments here before filing suit. He made a baseless six figure settlement demand. Yeah. If that's documented, put it out there. Mm -hmm. If that was via email or text or phone, whatever that was. Yeah. Put it out there. That's yeah. that would be pretty transparent. Absolutely. If you do that. So yeah. um but the larger thing is is that we are so reactionary right now and anything can you can you can get this stuff out there so quickly to the masses. This is just such a different way. You think about anybody in life dealing with things a decade ago, twenty years ago compared to now, it's it's wild how quickly something can go, and this is something that went quickly yeah. last night to the point of of one of the you know marquee names in all of football mm-hmm. addressing it this morning. So that's where you are on that front. Um, a little uh, little lesson for the Columbus Blue Jackets, perhaps playing out north of town up in Cleveland with the Cavaliers and the NBA and NHL and the long road back. We get to that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The only radio station still operating with an active booze cart. I'm drunk right now. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. The Fan. Ohio sports destination. Day drinking responsibly with a touch of class. Well, the tournament is certainly fun, but it's even more fun when you have the chance to be winning a little bit of cash. Hit at nines at onethefan.com. Register for the Lions Dan's Fan Tournament Challenge. Compete against listeners, your favorite fan personalities. You're shot at $1,500. All sponsored by Lions Den, celebrating 50 years of providing you pleasure, passion, and romance. Mm. The um, You're a frequent at the Lions Den. You better believe it. Um, th- how do you think I keep this thing all going, man? Sounds sounds I keep this train <laughs> on the tracks, brother. Um, I was watching a little bit of the Cavaliers last night, which I, I don't do often. And there was a stretch, and we had Chris Fedor on, who we love talking to about the NBA and and the Cavs in general. We had him on a couple of months ago, and they were playing pretty well. Had a good December, uh, good Jan- good January. We're we're playing at a high level. And then they had a West Coast swing, and it basically all went off the tracks. And I'm, I'm watching them, and it just occurred to me how hopeless it must be to be a Cavaliers fan. Um, there's no real road back. Um, there is, it's, it is a long, arduous process to try to get back to a point of where they were not so long ago. And you're saying, well, yeah, Bo, who cares? I mean, they won a, they won a championship in 2016. What do we care? Yeah. Well, I'm not going to cry over them. Um, and it's fair. It's fair. Um, but it, it reminded me of the situation that, situation that we are in for the Blue Jackets. 
and the situation where you, how quickly this thing can get off the rails and how quickly you can go from being a team that can win around, feel like is on the cusp of being a Stanley Cup contender to if things don't go right this summer, my goodness, this is yeah. a full-on rebuild. And full-on rebuilds in those two sports, in any sport, is hard. It's very hard. But in those two sports where the re- where re- where player retention is so hard mm-hmm. is brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Because whether you're a Cavalier playing in Cleveland, uh, a Cleveland Indian, a Cincinnati Red, a uh, Columbus Blue Jacket, the NFL is different because yeah. of, the, of the way that it's structured. It's different. Mm-hmm. But in those sports, boy, if you don't draft them and develop them and win while you're there, and you think about the Indians have kind of been the model of this, you know, how they've built it up, tore it down, built it up, tore it down, been competitive, come back, competitive, come back, always kind of staying in the mix. The build is so hard in those sports when player retention is there. And I, you're, you can so quickly go from being a relevant franchise to irrelevant and picking at the top of drafts and hoping that you land the next Connor McDavid. And even that, as proof by Edmonton, is not a guarantee of any sort of playoff success and certainly not the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I, look, I think it, it's difficult because the, the PLD trade – set you back because hockey is not a sport where you're just going to be able to find a, a top-notch centerman, you know, Mm-mm. and, and te- once teams have them, they're not giving them up because they understand how valuable that is. Yeah. So if you want to be a critic of Yarmo, you say, why'd you give him up? And it's kind of this standoff, right? It's it's a standoff mm-hmm. of, I, I'm not going to be the one to give up a, a top young centerman in this game over some just whatever reason and look maybe that was their stance in the off season maybe some of this was communicated before you know the season and Yarmo tried to kind of take that stance I don't I don't really know but it got to a point with some of the comments um from and I'm not blaming torts but you know you come out and you make public comments like that and and now you're sitting here and you're saying we don't I mean we're still searching for that we're trying to train Jack Rosovic to be a center you know, mid mid season on the fly. Yeah, and so you say, okay, well, I guess we'll find our next one in the draft. But what's that do for the guys who are current? What's that do for Seth Jones? Like, hold on, you want to wait for us right. to draft a guy, and then in the NHL. It's not like the NFL where you draft a guy and he's inserted into the lineup. You know, most of these cats. I mean, so what's what's the plan? And if you're a guy like Seth Jones, it all comes down to your why. Right, it all comes down yep. to your why. A- athletes want to win. It's just, do you think you can win at the organization that you're at? Right, there's the comfort level. Do I want to stay here in this city? Is money my most important why? Is it? You know what? I I'm gonna make good money no matter where it is. So I just I don't want to move again. I want to be here. I want to be a part of a build. Oh, I love that challenge. Or do I want to go to a historic place where I can win? Do I want to go to a place where I realistically? Not like if things go our way or we get hot or we get a good prospect here or there and things start to... No, I want to go to this team right now because I know in the next four or five years of my career, I'm going to be in the playoffs. I'm going to be in the playoffs. Not maybe. I will be in the playoffs That's right. every year and I will have a chance to raise the cup every year versus... I mean, even when we've made the playoffs the last two years, last year, thank goodness they expanded the field. And the year before that, 
we had to have magic going down the stretch. I remember watching them against the Rangers late in the season. Like we had to make magic just to get to the playoffs. Yeah, with the studs that we had. Right, that was the whole debate of you know don't go all in unless you <laughs> can guarantee you're going to make the postseason. We barely oh, yeah. made the postseason. Risky. So do you yep. want to risk another rebuild of that? Because even if you're, I mean, I'm not trying to make a case for Seth to leave. I'm just saying, like, if you're a young star in this team and you lived through that, you lived through that skilled team that you had, that identity team, and you realize how tough it was to pull that upset and then how tough it is to make, and then you're looking at the team you're around now and you go, man, we don't got that. And you want to sign me to wait around to, to have that develop? Or I can go somewhere else, make similar or more coin, and not have to worry about that. I'll already be with skilled guys. That, and that's what you're facing right now. That's what you're facing as a, as a Blue Jacket fan is you're facing, gosh, I'm worried about my guys. You better hope that you have a lot of guys who want to be a part of the build. Or that my whole analysis on the situation is way off, which it could be. But no, I think you hit that it. if you live through the skill of two years ago and you're looking around at the roster now, like you see, you're just like, what are we? What are we trying to be? And do I want to right. be here as we figure it out? Yeah, do I want to deal with the grind or do I want to go somewhere and play right away? And that's mm-hmm. that's and, and and contend right away. And it can be other things too. Look at Panarin. Like he wanted yeah. to play in Madison Square Garden. You can't yeah. compete with that, right? Right. You can't. And that stinks. And that's that's again. This kind of cut circles back because it's an NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball conversation. It's it's a big reason why the NFL is the NFL is that you can be the best franchise in the league in Green Bay or Pittsburgh. And you don't need a once-in-a-generational talent to be born 45 miles away from you like LeBron James was and him fall in your lap. Because if LeBron James doesn't go to the Cleveland Cavaliers with the number one pick, if he doesn't come back, are the Cavaliers even still in Cleveland? Right. Right. I, I have no idea. Yeah. It's tough. I don't know. It's tough. And that's how mm-hmm. tough those two sports are. So, And it's something that they never address. They never address it as leagues. They don't address how do we make sure that these smaller middle markets can contend and be in it. You have these small windows you have to take full advantage. And it's tough. And the road back is tough. Um, get your questions in. Hashtag hey guys. Tweet them to at BLS971. Um, we will answer your questions in our Hey Guys segment. It's a first Friday miracle unlike any other. It's coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The best, best in the, the Midwest. Midwest. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. All right, second hour here on a first Friday, St. Patrick's Day edition of the program. And on cue, my FedEx guy delivering the wine. That a boy. Good job out of him. This Atta is always boy. a, uh, you know, you got to sign for it. So I, I always got to, I, I wave and give him the, yep, that's he's got You it. do? Let's give the signature. You do have to yeah, sign. I don't think you have to sign anymore. I think with COVID, I, I, gave, I think You have to give him the verbal... It. I you got to give him the drunk. verbal. I'm here. You're good. I don't know about that. We 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 I were mean, that's how we operate. the other day, and we had the UPS we're, guy we're just kind of, hey, how you doing? Hey, dropped your wine at the door. Thank you. So, oh, you well, that's because you're known. You're known. You're known commodity. That's why. It's a, it's probably it's probably something on the lines of, would you like me to open all of these for you and decant them? I can store no. them in your cellar no. if you'd like. Whatever no. you need, Mister Laurinaitis. No. I'm guessing that's how that goes. No, they got to make sure. Listen, there's a lot of. There's a you have so many workers that are at your plantation over there that um, <laughs> your your big you know you sprawling stink. hills of you know yeah, really thriving yeah Just got you the, know with your massive you see, water system septic all this going on yeah, that when ideal. you you know when you have people that are trimming by hand hey please I'm doing a show guys no Using no um gas powered stuff all right all by hand oh, as yeah, they're trimming course, back your shrubbery. 
Um, no power tools. Yeah. It's all yeah. You him. don't want anyone to any one of them to steal your wine. So no, that's why he probably no. makes sure that he makes eye contact. That's yeah. probably true. It's a great, great point out of you. Yeah, um, nice. All right, time for Hey Guys Chopper. Hit it. Nothing is off limits. Your participation is required. Just use the hashtag Hey Guys and ask Bishop and Laurenitis anything you want. Do it now. All right, guys, here we go. Costa says, hey, guys, what are the thoughts on barrel-aged gin? Have always liked it in cocktails, but never as a sipper. Um, all right, here's where I sit on gin. I don't like it. In general, I don't like it. Um, if I have gin, the only thing that I like in gin... Oh, boy, we got a real problem on juice? our hands. We got, we got, juice and we gin? Got Bootsy opening Gin and thing. juice? Uh, we got Bootsy thinking that he needs to go to the door and get things. Now we got big problems. Um, the only <laughs> I'm trying to wave to the blonde, yeah. like no intercept. Yeah. Um, there are the only thing. The one gin I do like is Hendrix gin, and I I do like it with like a muddled cucumber. Um, so it, it would be disingenuous of me to give you advice on barrel aged gin because it's not something that I've ever gone down. Uh, I do like Hendrix with a with a muddled cucumber. I think the first time I had it was at Hyde Park and it was good. Um, but I'm not a gin guy per se. I'm right there with you, and the only experience I believe I've ever had with gin is Buckeye Cruise um, spirit tasting thing a couple years ago, and when Watershed did a gin um, tasting sampler, if you will, I enjoyed it, but I will admit I've never gone to a liquor store and been like, hmm, where's your gin aisle? Um, it just doesn't register with me, so I would be uh, an amateur when it comes to that. Yeah. This one from Shay. Hey guys, because it feels like the team is playing down when they are upset or disagree with Torts, are they trying to get him fired? Do pro athletes actually do that, or is this a dumb fan question? I'll go to you on that one. You can you can weigh in first on that. You didn't. Um, <laughs> It's not for one. There's no such thing as a dumb fan question. Okay, at least not. I won't say it on air. Um, two, I, I think that there are. I have I have witnessed certain players go one of two ways with coaching that they don't agree with. It's either I'm going to try to be really good in spite of you, right? Um, that kind of goes to the 1980s Miracle on Ice, right? Like those guys came together because they could not stand her Brooks. Um, and then it ended up making it the whole thing a bonding experience, right? Um, I've also seen guys absolutely shut it down on purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, legit seeing dudes um, who have been told over and over to jump a certain route, pick it off, make a play, you know, almost kind of like getting after the guy. Like, make the play. Oh, you're afraid to make the play? And then seeing the guy jump the route and not even put his hands up and let the ball hit him in the face mask in practice. Just to like, <laughs> just to kind of be like, yeah. <laughs> I'll jump it, but I'm not giving you the glory, you know. Of, uh, and so you're kind of like, bro, what is wrong with you? <laughs> just got the ball. Anyway, um, I can't speak to what is actually going on in that locker because I don't know the guys, I don't know the personalities. Um, but you have to wonder, and I think Torts has been very candid with this. He's learning which guys, um, how to motivate each individual. So just off of that statement, that he doesn't know how to yet, means that his general kind of probably go-to style, if you will, isn't registering with everybody in the locker room. That's what it would tell me. I don't care if you're coaching nine-year-olds or pros. The hardest thing in coaching is reaching everybody in a room. It's yes. the hardest thing. 
Yes. The X's and O's, yeah, it comes and goes. There's geniuses who can do it right or not, but it's all can be pretty similar. Play yeah. calling, certainly there's a gift to that. There's a rhythm to that in the NFL. You, those that have it are great. And But even if you don't, you can still win. Mm-hmm. There's many ways to win in the NFL. You don't have to be brilliant at play calling, defense, or anything. But what you can always win and be successful if you can reach every player. And to me, when I see this Blue Jackets team, that is something that is a real struggle, has been all year, could it have something to do with the fact that, you know, you didn't have a normal camp? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Could it have something to do with the fact that you're not? It's not normal team bonding. Yeah, probably. But it's it is a tough thing to do anyway. It's made even more so by the circumstances. So, I, yeah, I think there is. That's very possible that there is legitimacy to that. This one from Jason Cleveland. Hey guys, who had the most swag in the NFL after prime? Wow. Most swag in the NFL after Prime. Was it Champ? Champ Bailey had a ton of swag. Champ Bailey had I always had thought a ton. Woodson had a lot of swag. Woodson, for sure. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. He always looked cool as hell. Yeah. He Woodson did. had a ton of swag. Um, Randy always a had it. Randy, Randy had Moss it, yeah. had a ton. Uh, Michael Vick had a ton. Vic. Vic, because you got your own cleat. Got you get your cleat. own cleat. I mean, Moss did early on too, but I mean, Vix. I mean, you wanted to rock the Vix. My yep. goodness, that was. Whew. Um. Yeah, it's my Vic. It's probably it. Yeah, it's I, th- those are the names. That it's Vic or Charles mind, Woodson think, now. Now that I think about it, Woodson's sock game was just off the charts. Yeah, I mean, he, his it. socks yeah. were always right. Always right. He, I mean, literally, he, he literally wrote a check to the NFL before the season and said, I'm going to break the sock rule every here's, single game. So here's here's, here's how I'm going to do this. Yeah. He's yeah. the one guy, like, and I have no idea about that recruiting process or anything like it. There's that story going around that he showed up in a Michigan stuff when I think Coop was recruiting him. Um, but if you could have one Ohioan at Ohio State, that'd be the one. Mm. Is Charles yeah. Woodson. Absolutely. Up next, we got one from Alex. Hey, guys, I'm wanting to do a long weekend getaway with the wife Thursday to Sunday. What's a great couple's weekend look like and where? Mm. All right. So you, you, we've, you've done these. I've done these. This The key here is are we flying or driving? Let's do driving. Okay? Let's do driving. That makes it a little easier, certainly in COVID times. So you say to yourself, all right, where can I get in a couple of hours um, there, there's a lot of stuff around. It's one of the beautiful things. There's a lot of stuff around here. Um, there are a lot of fun towns to go to around here. You can do a fun weekend in Cincinnati really easily. You can do a fun weekend in the Cleveland area really easily around sporting events. You can do the VRBO down in the Hocking Hills and crush that. Yes. And that's a good getaway. Uh, Nemecolon is fantastic, and it's a couple hours. So you've got some pretty good options. What what I try to do in those is is – as opposed to most of the time where I just think about myself, I try to think, well, what would she want to do? And in that instance, I stay away from the sports. So I would probably do one of those things, and I would make sure a spa is involved. I mean, that's a that's a great win out of you. Um, I, yeah, my first thing is if you want to stay close, I'm thinking Hocking Hills. There's some awesome you know places to kind of stay over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe because it's been in our mind recently, is Shelly and I are like, let's just hop in the car down to Nashville, which is sure. about five, five and a half. But you talk about a food scene. You talk about, man, I... What's your hotel situation there? Where do you go stay? 
Well, how about this? Rumor is Nashville is getting a Ritz and a Four Seasons, by the way. Okay. This is the growth of Nashville. They have a JW Marriott. Okay. Um, however, I liked to stay... Um, gosh, what's it called? i got to look it up now. Oh, you got me on the spot. Um, anyway. Isn't it... Th- isn't it... Th- like, what, There's a I Lowe's think- Vanderbilt that's really... That's awesome. Um, that I've because you'd want at. to be downtown, right? You but I stayed walk. at the Omni. The Omni is great. Um, the Omni downtown is awesome. It's, I mean, it's, but not. The, uh, they have a sweet pool kind of area. Which isn't there a Gaylord Hotel down there? Yeah, but that's at the that's over at the Opry, which is not that's okay. that's actually northeast of town. I don't know Nashville very well. I've heard yeah, it's no, you want to stay at the you want to stay at the Omni because okay. you're you're two blocks from Broadway. Okay. Um, and you're right next to the Country Music Hall of Fame, and it's a modern, clean, beautiful um, hotel. But I have that's all that saying. I haven't stayed at the Westin or the JW Marriott or any of the you know the new they, those are being built when I lived yeah. there. Louisville's fun, and so, Lexington's pretty good too. If you like like the horses, you can travel. You can tour those horse farms, and you got the Bourbon Trail. Oh, man. That's a win too. Love horses. Two more. Sean says, hey, guys, James, if you could go back for one last season in your prime, what team would you choose today? Bo, you can add in what team you'd like to see James play Ooh. for right now. Ooh. Gosh, that's a good one. If I could go back to one team, who would I play for today? <sighs> hmm. Who would you like to see me in, Bo? I'd like to see you put on the horns. You and Stafford, little Manhattan Beach for a year, overlooking you know the Pacific. I mean, I I, I'd like s- to see you put on the horns again one more time. I think you, you're, they're going to get that Deacon Jones throwback this year. You'd get to wear. I, I yeah. you know, I'm not crazy about the bone or sand or whatever the hell that uniform is, but I think nobody, the blue they got that right. I think cloud. you'd look great in that. It, it looks real similar to the Wyzetta colors. I'd like to see you in the horns again. Go win a title with Isn't the Isn't it funny that I was like, okay, who, what, this is literally what went through my mind. So it's it's about what's your why, right? <laughs> what went through my mind is, what is where is West? I said West. <laughs> where can I go West? Um, yeah. So Denver, West, all right. And so any of those teams and, and south of San Francisco. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Rams or Chargers. And it typically is just give me a reason, like pay me a reason to get to the West Coast, and then I would then retire in the front office in the West Coast. That's right. Yeah, put yeah. on the horns again. Let's see it. Yeah. Last one today. Phil says, "Hey guys, what is your favorite restaurant, bar, or festival festival location to celebrate St. Patty's Day?" Dublin. They kill it. It's great. I mean, it, uh, last year obviously wasn't, and this year will be different. But they they do a great job. It's awesome. I'm just gonna copy that because I don't. I told you I haven't. I haven't celebrated. And I, again, me either. I'm not a big, and it wasn't growing up either. So that wasn't it. So we do that every single first Friday. We do it at 10 o'clock. Get your hey guys questions in, and we will answer them. And as you can tell, absolutely nothing is out of bounds. Um, it's a beautiful blue. They got the blue right on that Rams uniform. The blue they is do. beautiful. They do. They, they do. do. It's great. They, I mean, you could have just went blue, white, and yellow. Yeah. Instead of blue bone and yellow, yeah. but yep. what do I know? Yeah, it is. It's the blue. That's It's absolutely beautiful. Scooty Penn going to join us in about 15 minutes. Uh, Joe Lenardi makes it personal coming up next. We get to that. Bishop and Lauren, I just right here on The Fan. We are everywhere. On your radio. Online. The Fan app. Alexa. And behind you in your car. Right now. Too creepy? Sorry. The Fan. Ohio sports destination. 
is First Friday Somewhere. That's a big sense of freedom. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. Bishop and Laurenitis right here on The Fan, and my friends over at Jermaine Toyota are getting into the madness all month long by offering you two amazing deals like the Highlander for just $322 per month for 36 months or their Camry $215 per month for 36 months. Both offers are good for those that qualify. They exclude tax, title, and fees. But do what I did. Go east on 70. Get off 5711 Scarborough Boulevard. Visit them on the line. Jermaine Toyota. .net. Don't be fooled. Don't go to .com. I don't know where that leads you. .net. And if you're in person, yeah, trust me, you don't want <laughs> Yes. <laughs> think before you tweet. Think before you hit enter. Um, give my friend Buddy over there a fist bump or elbow bump, whatever you're comfortable with. Tell him that James sent you. Uh, big up, big shout out to our guy, Kyle, loyal listener, uh, youngest uh, listener of the show, born yesterday morning. Happy birthday to young Jackson, uh, born yesterday morning. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good job out of you, and, and congratulations on that. And the, as, as you know, with a, a, a newborn there, that, that you're going there with uh, the, the little number three. In the grind, you, you, yeah. In the grind, you're the thick of it. Uh, the one thing that I, I miss, and you, it's amazing how it happens, is how sweet their breath is before oh, the teeth. yeah. Yeah. The teeth come and then they're eating real food and it's all over. But in those, up until the teeth come, that's just a beautiful thing. The little buggers. They're just adorable little things. Yeah. So sweet. I, look, I, I absolutely, um, I, I love the smell, like just the smell of their, like hair, you know, like there's a certain smell to the baby and then they grow up. And, um, you know, um, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But it, it is, I mean, last night even, she she had been giving us a few kind of little last few days, four or five hours stretches at night, and then last night back to the every two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's really frustrating as a parent, and you know this, like as the dad, when they get in a routine, like Remy's in a routine right now of like, mm-hmm. hey, like I'm breastfeeding, I smell you, like I don't like you, I want no. to be with mom. You know, like yep. I was with mom for nine months and now I want, want to be with mom still. So there's really Mom's my joint. And so I'm trying to, you know, give Shelly a break. And yet she like, literally, I'll try to put the pacifier in her mouth. She'll look at me, see me and then spit the pacifier out like, oh, it's just you. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's awesome. Then you just That's feel weird. helpless. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of sleeping on my chest is what I remember very, very fondly with, especially with our oldest black Cobra. Cause he had, he was colicky and the only way he could sleep is on his stomach. So yeah. I would like basically attach him to my chest. Oh yeah. And, and let him sleep from like midnight to five in the morning or whatever. Mm-hmm. We would get that stretch and, and I was doing, we're going to channel 10. I'd get home late, put him on the chest. He'd sleep for four and a half, five hours and then hand him over to the blonde and away we'd go. But it was, uh, it's good stuff. Good stuff to say the least. This is not good stuff. How dare Joe Lenardi? Joe Lenardi's mm. coming for us, dude. Bucks he and is. Oral Roberts, Friday, three o'clock. Here's Lenardi on who he, he won't win. Go he ahead, won't Jones. win it, but Ohio State's Chris Holtman should be on anybody's coach of the year list. With a little less talent, he had the Buckeyes keeping up with the Michigans, the Illinois, the Iowas, and the rest of the Big Ten. Gaining a number two seed, that is overachieving of the highest order this year in Columbus. But here's my upset special of the tournament. The Buckeyes against Oral Roberts, a 15th seed. Can it happen? Yes, and I think it will. Oral Roberts, sneaky good. Ohio State, sneaky done.
Mm. <laughs> to be fair, that's on me, not Chops. Like, the playing of the audio is on me. I said, here's Joe Lenardi, and then I added a line. I didn't need to. That's not that's not a bad job out of him. It's a bad job out of me. That's fine. Yeah. Um, There's going to be – I do think that what you will see in this tournament is is going to be nothing short of bonkers. Bonkers. And all you have to do is look at the conference tournaments last week and some of the teams that made runs. Look at Georgetown. Look at some of the smaller conference tournaments, the winners of those tournaments that got into the NCAA tournament. College basketball this year has been so inconsistently played, and the these smaller schools have so many veteran players who have been together for a long time. I could, if Oral Roberts beats Ohio State, is it some sort of shocking? There was a shocking Richmond over Syracuse uh, when Syracuse was a two seed, and forever it was kind of the gold standard until um, until Virginia was beaten by uh, Maryland. Um, what was it Maryland Baltimore? Whatever UMBC. Um, until until uh, until that happened, when Virginia is a one seed loss, it was kind of the gold standard of a of fifteen over a two. It, it wouldn't be that shocking. It wouldn't be. That's that's how crazy. I think what you're going to have to anticipate this weekend that almost anybody can beat anybody. I mean, if Gonzaga went down early, that would be surprising. Just how dominant they've been and how much everybody uh, really believes in them. But almost anything else is on the table because of of this transition that college basketball's in from one and done to four-year guys and there's a lot of teams that are just lacking players playing against smaller schools who have been together for 3 and 4 years. It's a tough recipe for the higher seeds. It is. It is a tough recipe and and it's just the it's the unknown, it's the um how do you word it? Like it's just the fact that these um Look, you're, you're you're playing a team that is a, a really good shooting team, and so yeah, if you want to go down that path of, I think Joe Lenardi's looking and saying, okay, this team made a great run in the tournament. They were great throughout most of the year. If you want to look through the lens of the four game slide where things weren't going well for Ohio State, you can absolutely get your mind around to seeing an upset. Right? Just put it in your mind. Ohio State struggles shooting the basketball from downtown. Um, Oral Roberts doesn't. There you go. You have the the makings for an upset, right? A little unfamiliarity. Um, you know, it's hard to to assume. I, I'm I'm struggling right now, not with this game, but just like as you look at brackets across, you know, and you filling them out. Who made runs in their tournament, and who's able to stay hot, right? Just because they made a run, like it's easy for us to be lazy and assume, oh, they're just going to continue to make this run. Um, it, the last time they played, you know, being on Sunday, you're, I mean, you're talking about a good amount of time here to, to kind of get some kind of set up and, and, and all this. And they've been sitting in the hotel and they've been trying to practice and do all this stuff, but it's just, it's a while. So can we just assume that they're going to stay on this hot streak? And that goes for a Georgetown or that goes for obviously us. Like, you know, these teams, um, I do not see an upset happening. I think Ohio State makes a nice run, but it wouldn't yeah. surprise me at all if this thing is an absolute dogfight to the absolute yeah. end. No, I agree. Uh, we will get the opinion of a Hall of Famer. The great Scooney Penn will join us. Great friend of the program. He joins us coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Time for the Chris Holtman Daily Show. Brought to you locally on The Fan by Credit Union of Ohio and by the Stuckey Firm. 
This is the Chris Oldman Daily Show brought to you by Incoba Insurance. Water performance over the course of a few days by Dwayne Washington. Has it continued to be amazing to you, Chris, to watch the growth that this young man has had, especially in big moments and big games? Oh, he's been special. He has been special. He's a young man that, you know, we remember just a couple of years ago, it was hard to put him in games late in the season. Uh, and he hardly played in the NCAA tournament uh, games his freshman year. He just has grown. He's a talented kid who's gotten better. He's embraced coaching. He's he just is he's a fun kid to coach, and he was on an absolute tear uh, in in the Big Ten tournament. He was the reason, large large reason for us having the kind of week of really high level basketball we had. All right, we'll have another comment in just a moment. You- Two men complaining about first world problems. You're not getting the point, kid. This is Bishop and Morinitis. All right, and with that, we head on to the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline for a visit with one of the great guys of all time. He is a Buckeye Hall of Famer, currently an assistant with the Memphis Grizzlies. He is 1212. He is S. Penn, Scooney Penn, joining us. How you been, buddy? What's up, what's up? I've been great, man. I can't complain. I love it. I absolutely love it. And and Scooney and I's uh, relationship goes back a long way, and it started around March Madness. Uh, you were work, working with us uh, at Channel 10 at the time, and we went on those crazy trips to the Final Four and to the regionals. Mm-hmm. And, and this this is something, this time of year, that is so special. And before we get into this Buckeye team, you got to participate at this at the highest level when you guys made that run. Um, and, and when you are going to embark on something like that, what are the ingredients that a team needs to have to be able to achieve it? Well, I think first and foremost, you got to have a team that, I mean, you got to have talent. That That's that's the first thing. But, um, you know, teams that are hot at the right time, that understand what they're playing for, that is very unselfish, um, it, it goes a long way. Because I think when you get to this time of year, whether it's conference tournament and then the NCAA tournament, guys feel that they want to shine. So it's hard for people not to be a little bit selfish. But if you can put that to the side and come together and play as a unit, um, you can get some serious stuff done. And I think those are the teams that have success. Scooney, as I as I looked at the tournament, and I will admit, and I've admitted a lot of times to our listeners, I, I don't scour college basketball, you know, f- finding out what other teams are doing mm-hmm. around the country. But what it seems like, the Buckeyes got one favorable draw. I, I just Bo was the same way where we just looked at it and said, please don't be with Gonzaga. Just please don't be with the Zags. And it turns out I, I really like this draw for Ohio State. How do you view it, um, you know, as, as somebody who can look at it from this way? I know the team is focused solely on Oral Roberts, but I'm talking about from your perspective, mm-hmm. just kind of the 30,000-foot view. How do you view their draw? Um, I think it's a good draw as well. But um, I've watched a lot of college basketball, and I knew that it would be a tough draw whether it's Gonzaga or Baylor. I, you know, I, I, I don't like Gonzaga. They're good. I mean, I'm sorry, not Gonzaga, Baylor. For me, just my opinion, I would rather play Gonzaga instead of Baylor. And the reason why I say okay. that is because if you watch Baylor, they have so many athletes. They can score offensively. Defensively, they can lock down. They're talented with athletes, and they've been battle-tested way more than a Gonzaga team. So that's why, for me, my pick is Baylor, and I knew that, that Illinois and Michigan most likely would be a one-seed which means we'd get Gonzaga or Baylor, um, and it ended up Baylor. And I'm the opposite of you. I'd rather have Baylor. I'd rather have Gonzaga instead of Baylor. It's my opinion. Scoon, what do you make of of this? It's been a little bit of a swoon for Baylor since the COVID break for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oklahoma State got him twice, and they got the number one pick in the draft. And and by the mm-hmm. way, if I'm Illinois, I'm not crazy about having to play him in the Sweet Sixteen. Um, but 
but from from that standpoint, in terms of kind of the downturn that that Baylor had the last couple of weeks, oh, it's because they're a scary team, and yeah. they're a team that you know can turn it on. And it hurts being out 18, 20 days, whatever they have with the COVID, and then try to find their rhythm back. But they're a team that if they get hot at the right time, if they start playing together with their ability to score and to lock you down and with their athletes and their deep, that is a recipe to play deep into the tournament. And they have great guard play. Not saying Gonzaga doesn't, but they have multiple guys that can handle the ball. And I think Gonzaga does as well, but I just watch Baylor a lot, and they, they're just a scary team. And, again, coming out of the conference that they're coming out of, like I mentioned, they're a little more battle-tested. Gonzaga had the one close game against BYU. But besides that, 20-point wins. And I don't care who you are, in the, in, to win the NCAA tournament, you have to have gone through some things throughout the season because it, it just gets tight. It, you, cannot, you cannot prepare for it unless you've been there before in this team was cruising this year. I'm not saying they're not a good team. I think they're great. They deserve the number one seed. They're the best team in the country. But when you get to this tournament when it's one and done, one slip up and you're out, I want teams that have, you know, that's been through some stuff throughout the year. Scooney, I was saying with Bo that I thought that the Buckeyes headed into the Big Ten tournament needed to at least get through Purdue, right? That four-game skid, they needed to at mm-hmm. least get a couple wins, sing the fight song, feel good about themselves, and kind of shake off the, the losing. Um, what? How big was that run to not only just getting to the title, playing Illinois, but continually fighting back and, and getting in the overtime how important was that, or is this just the sports radio guy sitting here saying, well, that, that looks important, but how do you think that really meant something to this squad heading into the real deal this weekend? No, I agree with you. I said the same thing. Um, I think it meant something to them, but also if they hadn't done that, they would have probably dropped to a three seed. Um, it, it, I thought they would have had a tougher draw. The fact that they were able to get back on track and win a couple games, give themselves some confidence, um, I think it looks good for the Buckeyes. Uh, you know, with Kyle going out, um, that kind of hurt them. But you see other guys get playing time and rally and rally behind the team. So, uh, you know, they needed that Purdue game. That was a big game. Uh, and I felt that if they passed Purdue, they had a chance to get to the championship with Michigan having their issues as well. And, and it played out. You know, it was a tough Illinois game. Um, that's a really good team. I thought we would have pulled it out. But um, we didn't. But sitting at a two-seat here and ready to dance. Scooty, what do you make of, uh, you know, when you played the last five minutes, that's when you get paid, right? That's mm-hmm. what you live for is yep. the last five minutes of a game. I'm going to orchestrate this. I'm going to get the ball to my guys. They're going to get easy buckets, or I'm going to take it myself. I'm going to get to the line. I'm going to knock down free throws. That's what lead guards do. Um, we have had trouble here the last month in the last five mm-hmm. minutes of games, and we have given up huge leads. I mean, I'm not talking yep. back and forth. I'm talking about we've given up. 12 point 18 point leads in a matter of it seems like two minutes they're disappearing now some of that is you're playing really good teams but some of that is your approach what do you see in the Buckeyes approach in the last couple of minutes of games and I realize we're nitpicking here we're a two seed I mean it's an awesome time to be a Buckeye fan uh, but if you're mm-hmm. going to make a run you got to be better down the stretch what do they need to improve in there well you know I think we all understand the recipe in this guard play and we've struggled at the end because we have only two ball handlers That'll be, you know, Dwayne Washington and C.J. Walker. If you pay attention to teams that go deep, and now let's go back to our team. I think one of the best moves Coach O'Brien did was when he implemented Brian Brown into the start lineup and took John Sanderson out. Why? Because that gave us three ball handlers, which means now we a lot of people, guys, a lot of guys can handle the rock and create for one another. 
with the with the Buckeyes, it's just kind of those two guys really handling the ball, or you give the ball to um, EJ and he has a mismatch. You have to have ball security, and I think we struggle in that, and we have struggled. We have a hard time scoring because a guy like CJ is not really that much of a scoring threat. So it comes down to Dwayne and EJ, and Dwayne being your only one guy that handles the ball and that can create for his own shot. Um, that 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 scares me. Um, going into this tournament with the Buckeyes, Scooney, how do you judge success with this tournament with this team? I mean, it's it's. You're fighting the temptation to say, well, gosh, they, they've overachieved our preseason expectations. Yeah. Um, yet midseason, you're saying, okay, we adjust that. <laughs> we adjust those expectations. Um, so, so what can, at the end of the day, Buckeye fans kind of sit and say, you know what, that was, a, that was a really successful season. When in reality, you're kind of feeling like, well, man, it's already been one. How, how do you fight that tension mm-hmm. and, and what will be success in the, in the dance? I mean, that's the tough part because I feel like it's already been a successful season. I think Coach Holtman and his staff has done a tremendous job for this team to reach um, the number four ranking in the country and do what they've done throughout the season. Definitely overachieved in my eyes. To be successful, I think for people to understand how tough this is and this team, not being the most talented team. And you have a guy like, you know, um, Caleb Weston leaves early. You know, have Luther Muhammad transfer. You know, that, those are two starters. That's a tough blow for the, for this team. And then for those guys to do what they've done this season, if we get to the second weekend um, and play some competitive basketball, that's a successful season. So, you know, I think Buckeye fans, you know, don't go crazy if they don't get to the Final Four or win a national championship because it's extremely hard. But if this team can rally together and, and get to the second the second weekend and play in a Sweet 16 game and possibly sneak to that lead eight, like that's a successful season in my eyes. Scoot, I'll get you out of here on this one. It, uh, obviously, it's been a while, and, and we look back on that run that you guys had, you and Mike, and that squad had to the Final Four. When you were in the middle of that, was, was there a moment when it hit you how special it is and, and the ride you were on? Can you enjoy it as a player when you're in the middle of it? No, you can't. You no. can't enjoy it until you get there. Um, as, as much as I wanted to in our team, it was game by game. and i, I never forget this. After winning the first game, um, you go in the locker room, you're happy a little bit, but it's more work to be done. And then the second game is the same. Okay, made it to the next weekend. Then you win the Sweet 16. It's like, okay, it's, you know, we're getting closer. And I just remember having a mentality that, um, you know, okay, celebrate this game for now, but you wake up in the morning, it's done, you flush it, and it's time to move on, like, right away. And and I mean, I've talked about it before, but for me, when we won that Elite Eight game and I was in the locker room and I just cried really, really hard, it's because – I was holding so much in. You put a lot of work in, and you don't have time to celebrate each win. You do not. The teams that that have you know the goal to win it all to make a long run, they know how to how to get the game over with and move on to the next ASAP. Because if you don't and you dwell on the game that you just had, the next game sneaks up so fast that you end up losing. Well said, sir. Well said. Great talking to you. Continued great success with the Memphis Grizzlies, mentoring young John Morant and turning him into the star that he certainly is helping in that. And congratulations to young Dom as well, Washington Huskies. That's awesome stuff. Great talking to you again, my friend. All right. Take care, guys. All right. That is uh, Scooney Penn, Buckeye Hall of Famer, joining us. Love talking hoops with Scooney. He's Mm -hmm. he's just got a way about him. He's just such a special player, special person as well. Uh, We hit thing or not a thing up next. Bishman Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. The only radio station allowing one of their hosts to talk about human flesh consumption. Okay, probably.
probably not the best idea. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. With sports talk distilled to its purest form. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. In time for a little thing or not a thing. Chopper is here. Hit it, Chops. Bishop and Laurinaitis. Thing or not a thing. Sponsored by Geico Insurance. All right, here we go on a first Friday. Fourth year Ohio State safety Marcus Hooker has been suspended indefinitely after his arrest over the weekend on charges of operating a vehicle while impaired, according to online court records. He is scheduled to be arraigned in Franklin County Municipal Court on Friday morning, the same day spring workouts officially begin for the Buckeyes. Thing or not a thing? Well, I mean, it's definitely a thing when you break the law and you do something like this and this is the second time and and it's a thing in terms of his career because what you, what you where you are as a player is can you be trusted and that's not just on the field it's off and so it's a tough spot for Marcus Zucker to say the least <sighs> it is um, the fact that it's the second time is is um, you know it, it Makes you sad, angry, all in one. You know what I mean? Like just how dangerous. What's sure. the difference of an OVI, by the way, versus a versus a DUI? I think they just call. Don't they just call them? Is it just the the difference in, in impairment? I have no idea. That's why I, I asked. I said I didn't say that as emphatically. If I as Shelly asked me this morning, and I just you know looked yeah, at her. I don't know. Said, you think I understand? You Neither's know? great. And she then she gave me a look and said, you know, of course you don't. Um, I think for me, um, the first time you get one of these should be a wake-up call. Obviously, you should never have a first one of these with with Uber yeah. and all this stuff. There's not a lot of options nowadays. There wasn't an excuse for us back in the day either, right? We had cabs. Uh, a lot of times we just walked. Um, but yeah, so it's it's hard. You can't justify it at all, and uh, you just hope that he can you know turn it around. But yeah, it's a massive thing. A massive thing. You don't want to be in, in, in court. You don't want to put everyone's life at danger. You know that was around in that moment. You, whoever was riding with you, people, are, you know, that you were passing. All those things, right? It's just it's terrifying whenever you see these things. So you don't want to be in court the day that spring ball starts. The Big Ten Championship was the most watched college basketball game of the season, earning 3.678 million viewers. It peaked with 5.783 million Ooh. from 6 to 6.09 p.m. Thing or not a thing? Well, so I'd, like, I'd like to pound our chest and say this is all about Buckeyes, but it's interesting that when it peaked, of course, is when the selection show was scheduled to hit. So huh? that that no, has a it's little all bit, bucks. A what are you talking about? Do, a, little, a little bit to do with it, huh? People no. love a bracket, brother. People love a bracket. Sure do, sure do. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Okay, good Buckeyes. I'm gonna go the other route, Bo. I, I think it is the Buckeyes. I don't think it has yeah. any, that coincidence that that's when the selection show is supposed to start. Listen, no way. Just to put this out on a state. tweet. Put on it on a poster in the facility. The most no watched college basketball game of 2021, your Ohio State Buckeyes. Put yep. it on there. Yep. Go nuts. Yep. Odell Beckham Jr. tweeted, quote, second act. Then Mary Kay Cabot reported that Kim Jones said on NFL Network that she texted Odell about his tweets, and he's just talking about coming back strong from the ACL. Thing or not a thing? It's not a thing. Here, Here's what is a thing, though. He, a, a long time ago, when he was in New York, reached a point... As uh, from a, as from a celebrity standpoint, where anything he did 
mm. caused a stir. Yeah. Anything. Yep. He can tweet the most innocuous nonsense, and it tr- and people try to t- decipher it a thousand different ways. And is he some to blame for that? Probably. Sure. Uh, but that market he played in is a part of it. Yeah. The celebrity worship we have in this country is a part of it. He really can't tweet anything without it going this way. Right. Anything goes this yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I honestly read this earlier, and I said, well, what... what why, why are people even inquiring about the second act? But you're absolutely right. You're spot on about all of it. I'm like, it, it's literally, I had, I had no interest in the tweet. You know, so it's like the fact that people, he's he is that superstar. He still is that superstar. Yeah. Um, yep. Man, it's amazing. People think that he's like, you got to decipher some code every time he tweets. Right. Just a guy saying, I'm trying to get back from injury, man. New Hampshire sportscaster Jamie Stanton posted a video of Ryan Day hooping in high school. Ryan Day quote tweeted it and said, Garrett and I beat Olave and Jackson 7-1 yesterday. Just ask them about the J, then the crying laughing emoji. Then Zach Harrison quote tweeted that, posting a video of Coach Day airballing a shot. Thing or not a thing? This is a fantastic thing. So the video is of a championship game, and Ryan Day is knocking down bombs. He's hitting bombs and drilling threes, and, and, and it's in a championship game in New Hampshire. So the guy had game, but I can empathize with a man who used to have game and no longer does. Like, if I were to go shoot on a 10-foot basket right now <laughs> with a men's ball, I assure you I would, if it was a three, I assure you I'd airball it. Because when you haven't done something for a long time, you lose all depth perception. You lose all all that is required of your legs. Anytime I go, if it's been a long time and I haven't shot with the boys, because uh, you know usually we play on a, a lower rim or a you know a smaller ball for them, and so you get used to that. When you shoot with a men's ball on a ten foot rim, it usually takes about six shots before you. Oh yeah, this is what's required to shoot it from here. So I empathize with you, coach. I mean, I, I just I love the fact that he, he's talking junk on social media. Because if you're if you're willing to tweet that out, that means that there's been serious trash talk coming back the other way, and so yeah. you needed to make it known. I love it. Last one: LeBron James joining Fenway Sports Group as a partner, giving him an ownership stake in its subsidiaries that include the Boston Red Sox, Liverpool Football Club, Roush Fenway Racing, and the Regional Racing. Sports Network's NESN. Thing or not a thing? Enormous thing. Amazing. Listen to the brands you just said. Mm. Boston Red Sox, Liverpool, yeah, Roush Fenway Racing. Those are Mount Rushmore brands in yeah. their respective sports. And he has an ownership stake. And I don't care how big it is. Those those brands will only continue to go up in value. His wealth will only continue to accumulate. He's going to be a billion dollar athlete. Mm. He's not already. It's amazing. He's the LeBron of ba- or he's the the rock of basketball is what he yeah, is. Yeah. He is. He is. Um, he's doing the Magic Johnson. The difference is he's doing it while he's still playing at an extremely yeah. high level. So he's yeah. just following the, no, foot, the footprint of it and yet is also on a team that could win another championship. Yep. Yeah, that's it. All right, Coach Holtman going to join us here in a couple of minutes. Final hour on a first Friday. Bishop and Lauren is right here on The Fan. There's nothing like waking up, turning on your radio, and hearing the ramblings of dummies. Common Man and T-Bone Weekend. Saturday morning at 10. The Fan. Listen responsibly. Now back to Bishop and Laurenitis. 
Final hour here on a First Friday Miracle Edition of the program. couple of days out from the Buckeyes opening up the NCAA tournament on Friday against Oral Roberts. And uh, when you want to talk basketball, well, you want to talk to the man who's the architect. He is our head coach. He is our great friend, Chris Holtman, joining us from over in India on the Brian Heating and Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline. Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. I got, I got a couple of things right out of the gates. I thank you for the pure joy of the weekend in the Big Ten Tournament because the games were classic. They were awesome. Uh, it was so cool to watch games and be on the edge of your seat for all of them. And then the bone I would have to pick with you, my friend, is that I like the hair follicles that remain on my hair. And if this keeps up, man, I'm going to be Mr. Clean by the end of March, buddy. Can you help me with that at all? Hey, you and me both, brother. You and me both. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I get that a lot. I get that a lot. I totally understand it. Um, we, we are responsible. We have to own some of that. Um, and the other thing is, pretty good teams that made good runs. Uh, yeah. Never in my you know wildest thoughts did I think that the 18-point halftime lead uh, was going to stay or even double. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's been, listen, it's been way more exciting at the end of games than any of us would like. Coach, I, I'm I'm wondering as you look back now on the tournament and and that run you guys made, what was the moment of the whole thing, the whole weekend that you were most proud of your squad? Was it the holding on to the Purdue game and the way they kind of came about in overtime? Was it coming back against Illinois with how fatigued your team had to be um, after the yeah. battles that they've had the previous three games to fight back against the Illinois team that could have ran away with it? Uh, at what moment were you most proud of your squad during that weekend? Those two things, James, you nailed it. Those two things, exactly. I think it's hard to say which which I would prefer, maybe coming back from 17 to, to get that thing. Manageable halftime lead, a two-possession game at halftime, and then even the fight we showed. You know, you got to remember, I just showed it to our team last night. We, we were down six. They had the ball with three minutes to go in regulation and, and came back and finished that game an incredibly poised, smart fashion to get that thing to regulation. So I think the fight combined with the fact that we, we had a really stretch there. You know, we talked about giving up some leads. You know, they gave up a lead too. Uh, they, had, they had a six-point lead with the ball with three, point, three minutes to go. So I think responding like we did there. But I would also add the overtime against Purdue when, listen, uh, we were all deflated. I'm sure everybody that watched it was deflating. If you were in our huddle, um, you notice that we were a bit deflated. So for our guys to show the, the toughness that's required um, and, and respond like they did in overtime against Purdue was, was terrific to see. Coach, I don't think there's a team in the country that played a tougher stretch to close the season than y'all did. Uh, then you add to that the run in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Minnesota was game. I mean, they were game. They were desperate. They were yeah. game, and they gave you all you could handle. Then you got a, a Purdue team. We know what happened in that one. Then Michigan and Illinois, those are two one-seats. I think Purdue can make a run in this thing, too. You love the way that they play, how physical they are. Plus, these are teams that are familiar with you. So it is so yeah. tough when you play teams the second and third time because you're so familiar. I would assume from the outside looking in that you are happy to not see Big Ten teams. Now, that does not take away from the challenge that the NCAA tournament is going to provide, but this stretch that you're in, that you've been playing in, has been such a meat grinder. Is your team better for it? I hope so, Bo. I hope so, and I think so. I think the caution that you have to have is that you don't assume that by playing in the most grueling, deepest league in the country and in the, in the deepest basketball league in, in a number of years somehow provides you 
uh, anything beyond uh, it, it's prepared as well. But it doesn't. It doesn't. You know, we don't get anything there. We have to earn whatever we get. We understand that we're playing a Oral Roberts team that can uh, play with anybody in the country. They've proven that they played four non-conference opponents, high major opponents, in the non-conference season. I think you just have to be cautious that you don't assume that it's somehow has guaranteed us that we can come in uh, without absolutely being high-level alert and playing at our highest level uh, starting from game one. Coach, how, how hard is it, as you, as you mentioned, just the toughest conference, the physical conference in the Big Ten, how tough is it when you get out of that conference now to this kind of tournament to where you have to c- preach to your team, hey, play our style, play our game, and not get lulled into the style of, of what other teams want to do? Because there's a certain idea of what you know what you're getting into in a Big Ten, turn- in a Big Ten tournament or a Big Ten yeah. conference game, but not getting lulled into a different style of play that maybe some of these other teams play. Well, we reflected on that even in the midst of the Big Ten tournament, that that I think when you're in those tournament settings, you really do have to reflect on how did we get to this moment? How did we get to the Big Ten championship game? How did we have a a season of uh, 20-plus wins uh, in the middle of a pandemic? And you really reflect back on what what you believe in, what you've done well. And to this point, what we've done well is we really shared the ball offensively. We played to our strengths. Our guys have... Uh, been really unselfish. They've embraced the role at a really high level. And then here in this last couple of weeks, hopefully what we've done, guys, is gotten better uh, defensively and a little bit more connected and a little bit more uh, forceful on the ball. And that's going to be required of us. We're going to have to continue to, to take steps in that area. But I, I really do think it's reflect back on, hey, what, what's got us here? And let's not get too far away from that. Coach, is there anything Dwayne Washington fears? He doesn't play like it. <laughs> Yeah, he fears um, the look that I give him after he's taken <laughs> his third consecutive bad shot. Um, he, that's that's what he fears because he knows it's a look, and then it's immediately me pointing to Justin Arms and saying, "Go sub him out." Um, so, he's so fearless. You know, I, oh, he's amazing. It, it's and it's, it's I'm telling you, it's an unbelievable quality for a kid. It's an unbelievable quote. The passion and the joy that that kid plays with has been so contagious for our team. Think about this now. No fans, you know, for for most of the season. And you wouldn't know it. You'd think he's playing in front of a sold-out arena before every game. And that is, that's contagious. Like, that matters. And uh, it's it's been really good to see that. And I think that's contributed to the fact that he's gotten better. Listen, he was devastated after our senior night loss against Illinois. But he you know, he recognized he had to do some things better. We had some hard film sessions and hopefully he's gonna to continue to grow and learn. But he was fantastic in the tournament. Fantastic. Coach, I, I, I know what the coach response is going to be to this, but it's my job to ask it anyway. because um, you're human. So when you see the bracket come out, are there any teams that you see and you're like, well, I'm sure glad I'm not in that in that bracket. I know what you're probably going to say, you know, I, I'm going right to Oral Roberts, right? That's all I'm thinking about. Yeah. But you are a human, yeah. and there, I'm sure there are yeah. some that you look and you're like, well, thank goodness I'm not there. Um, is there any of that with you, or is it? Um, are you just going to go, you know, the typical uh, coach route on me? No, I think you look and you say, listen, I, I think you look, you, you do have great respect because anybody who gets here nowadays and like you right, I mean, uh, 16 lost and then won a national championship the next year in Virginia. So, you know, listen, there's really, really good teams. We have tremendous respect for Oral Roberts. We know 
they could beat us if we don't play well. There's no question. I do think, uh, to your point, James, you know, maybe you look and say, hey, if you're fortunate enough to win games, the, the first game, is there a team that the second, uh, you know, the, the second game you play in a quick turnaround presents a completely different style? And completely different style that you've adjusted to, so you'll have to be really um, different in your approach. I, I, I do think you do kind of, you know, for example, Georgia Tech plays a really unique zone. If you play them in the second round, if you're fortunate enough to win the first one, that's going to be a challenge because they they are it's a quick turnaround and they play a unique defense. So I think you're always aware of things like that, but your focus really is on on, on the first game, the task at hand. Coach, such a unique season, obviously. Uh, we have such admiration for what everyone has gone through to put it on and for it to be as enjoyable as it's been. It's, it has been incredibly enjoyable to watch this team play and the Big Ten in general play over the last couple of months. And now you're in Indy. Uh, and you want to talk about unique. It doesn't get more unique than this. The entire NCAA tournament in Indy. I, I kind of view it, I guess, from 30,000 feet. I wonder if it's like a, just a giant AAU weekend uh, and there's, everybody's around. Is, is that the feeling you have? What is it like over there? Well, it's unique. I mean, it's it's like a big Final Four. You know, if you've ever been to the Final sure. Four, guys, it's every coach who's not playing, every staff member who's not playing. Uh, we're all in the same location. It really does feel like that. And our players actually mentioned it feels like a big AAU tournament to them. That's what their experiences is are right now. We're on the bus right now to uh, to practice at Purdue. It's about an hour and fifteen minute drive, so that's unique. Um, uh, that, that, you know, you obviously we have a game an hour and 15 minutes uh, away sure. here, so we're going to practice today. But it's just, you know, you're really going from room. It, it's still, you're, you're really isolated. Yesterday we practiced in a convention center. We haven't been outside for two days. Um, so, that you know, that's like we've not, you know, felt fresh air for two days. So I, I think it's good for our guys to get out here a little bit. Um, but it's you're, you're bumping into everybody. I, I've been on the elevator with Iowa. Uh, players and coaches more than I care to recall, even though I love those guys. But uh, um, it's just, it's really unique. It's a unique deal. Every team has their own floor. Uh, we're, we're at the JW. Um, it's, it's, it's a really unique feel. Coach, how, how do you balance, you know, wanting to keep your, I remember Coach Trussell always doing this with us when we went on the road, and I can't imagine the extended stay you guys are dealing with. But free time versus trying to, keep your guys' attention yep. and focus. And and this is not – I mean, for us, we'd go on the road, we'd play it a day, you know, and, and I know they were concerned about filling up our that balance, right, for a night game would be for us. How do we keep their attention, make sure they're moving, but also give them space to decompress? I mean, has that been a challenge when you're there in a hotel for a week under these <laughs> abnormal circumstances? It has been. It has been, and I'm sure Coach Trussell was probably the same way. You're, you're kind of bouncing off, off your staff. Hey, listen – Let's try to take the pulse of our team. How are guys doing? I'll be honest with you guys. You know, on Monday, we were all drained. I mean, I'm still getting my voice back. We were all just physically, you know how you feel after after a stretch like that, just physically and emotionally drained. So I, I had an idea. We, we were going to show film uh, that day, and we were actually going to meet with them. And, you know, between the, the quarantine that you had to go through and the isolation in the room, um, I, I just, you know, we and, and looking at them, I just said, hey, listen, we're going to let them have a day uh, to themselves away from meetings and basketball uh, stuff and grinding out film. And, and then yesterday we had a lighter kind of workout that we felt like we needed to get a move in. And now, now we'll get, you know, we'll get ready uh, in, in, in terms of earnest practice here. 
But it is a challenge because, you know, Justice Suing had a birthday. And this just shows the connection of this team. He had a birthday yesterday or two days ago. And they went down to our big meeting space area because every, every player has his own room. But they went down to the meeting space area and played cards for most of the night, the whole night, basically the whole team. Hmm. And, um, and nice. just hung out with, you know, suing uh, for his birthday. That's, that's who this group has been. And I think if you've watched us play, you said, man, that is a really connected group. They seem like they have really good guys. And what I would tell you, being around them every day, uh, what you're seeing is reality. We really do have a, a, an incredible group of guys. Man, you need proof of that. Just watch the bench when something goes right because every single one is on their feet. Coach, it's been a thrill to watch you guys play and looking for a long march in March, of course, starting on Friday. Thank you for some time today, and good luck on Friday, my friend. Yeah, thanks, Bo and James. Always great being on, on with you. Take care, guys. All right, that is our guy, Coach Chris Holtman. Thursday, Oral Roberts, 3 o'clock. That, that connective tissue is tough, man. It's really tough. Yeah. It, that, that's, that'll take you a long way. That'll take you a yeah. long way. We had Scooney on. We were talking about, you know, the, is the talent and, and all of that, does it equate? Uh, but, but everybody rowing in the same direction does. And if you think about that run, uh, through the, through the, uh, the Big Ten tournament, and you think about some of the key minutes that were given by guys like Zed Key or Seth Towns, or the fact that coach trusts to put Michi in, in a tight spot and play, uh, that's what allows for, you to when the going gets tough, everybody rows in the same direction. It's yeah. hard to build those things, but they've done it here, and it's obvious when you watch them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think the you know the impressive thing is you you have um, a team that has gone through runs and and look peaks and valleys throughout this year, and they've found themselves again. They got look, they got knocked down to the mat on that four game losing streak. It could have went a certain way. And I thought I thought it was really enlightening that he could he couldn't pick between whether the Purdue overtime or whether the comeback against Illinois, you know, to make it a two possession game by half. Whether those things, which one he appreciated more of his team, but it talks about the character and the grit of this squad. It's interesting when you ask the question because those are the two instances that, of course, you remember. Um, it, to me, it's the Purdue. Yeah, because with without the Purdue, I don't know what what happens here. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, because you start to have yep. real self-doubt. Yep. And they came out so emphatically in that overtime uh, that I think it set the tone for what happened against Michigan. It set the tone for the comeback. And I, t- to me, it sets the tone for what's going to be coming in, in March. Uh, I, I do think this team can have a nice long run uh, in March, and it'll start on Thursday against Oral Roberts. Sparty, or Friday, rather. Speaking of Friday, spring practice set to begin. Ryan Day set to address the media here in about 15 minutes. Uh, give, us, give you some of our early thoughts on spring practice, what has to get done. And, of course, that starts at the quarterback position. We will start a special series on that. That front coming today as well in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about that, get you set for it. It is a first Friday. It is St. Patrick's Day. Act accordingly right here on The Fan. The only workplace in America to participate in the doorknob fart game. And we also play office basketball and sometimes do radio. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. A linebacker and a man of leisure. This doesn't even make sense. You're listening to Bishop and Laurenitis. And join the fan, 10TV, and the Ohio Education Associations. We honor classroom heroes in these weird times. Teachers, educators need support and recognition more than ever. Nominate your classroom hero at 971thefan.com slash heroes today. Uh, so my wife is out there preparing Bootsy's lunch, and um, her mom dropped off a little uh, a Reuben. Mm. 
So this is an example of a type of food that I only have once a year. I love um, a good Reuben. And I only have a couple of bites of it. Yeah. How great is it? Rubens I mean, are incredible. Spectacular. Rubens are incredible. Just, I go, gosh, why do I not eat this more often? I know the yeah. answer. Yeah. But my gosh, is it good. Longevity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> man, you're absolutely right. I can't think of a category of food. Well, I can think of two categories of food that I have that have been associations of my like basically representations of my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. That have been moved on from with great sorrow um but for better health than two two things um one is the combo of breakfast cereal and milk sure um so being dairy free for the most part um has eliminated that and really staying away from processed foods has eliminated that so that is and when I say stay away from it's like 80 20 but like I'm so far removed from the cereal habit that, like... That's been a long one, yeah. When, in reality, like, college, high school, even first few years in the league, um, really until London was born and we discovered the dairy stuff with her, it was a, like, every day and not, like, a serving. Like, who actually looks at the serving sizes of the nutrition (laughs) panel where it says quarter cup? This thing is, like, four cups, right? Half the boxes of, of, of whatever is gone. Like, that was so much a part of my life. The other thing which leads to your Reuben, is deli meat sandwiches. Oh. And again, it doesn't jive with the gluten-free lifestyle, all that, but the amount of Reubens, turkey sandwiches, Subway, um, all that in college, high school, Mike's. Jersey oh. Mike's. What are we talking about? Of course, Everything Jersey Mike's. The, uh, the club at Jersey yep. Mike's. How about... How about um, Einstein bagels, Brugger's bagels. I mean, my goodness, want to keep going? The Vladi special at Easy Living. I sure. mean, all of these, those two were absolute staples, staples on my life, um, and are no longer. But yeah, I miss a good Reuben. Gosh, so good, so good. I just I had three bites of it, and I'm like, I could eat a, this, the rest of this sandwich, and yeah. the second one without yeah. breaking a sweat. Now every now and again, I'll have a good burger, you know, and just say, you know. I'm, I'm going to accept some gluten in my life tonight. Um, although there is a brand that makes a really good um, Canyon Ridge, makes a really good gluten-free hamburger bun, like actually holds together. And is Joe Thomas delicious. put me onto one that I, that uh, a, a bread bun maker, yeah, a gluten one that that's pretty good. That but I don't man, know. I just yeah, I miss it's, I miss a good Reuben. Gosh, you had me good craving sandwich. that. Yeah. Oh, it was. I mean, I it was a it was a a real risk for me because I looked at it and I thought. This will now make me want this for lunch, which is a half hour away. Yeah, you're not gonna be able. I to mean, just my mouth is watering. I could eat one right yeah. now. No, just bash it. Just right. bash it, and just don't feel bad about it. And tomorrow, yeah. get up, hit the treadmill again. You know, your fancy Peloton studio, which you probably have like the Peloton sure. branded short running shorts That's right. That's and right. all that as well. Yeah. Equivalent. It's to actually a separate building that I've built. Oh, uh, nice. with a sky bridge. Well, it makes sense. You have the space. You know, I got the space, yeah. so that's what we're doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Ryan Day is going to talk to the media here in about three minutes. Spring football's here, by the way. Uh, it's amazing how here we are already. Um, yeah. And and it's a it's a big critical spring, and it will start at the quarterback position. Over the next three days, um, we will go what what Chops has done, and he and I had this idea last week. I had this idea. He executed it, and he did a great job of it. Is we wanted to find. People who covered these guys, CJ, Jack, and Kyle, that covered them in high school, 
and because these are guys that are largely unknown. Remember, yeah. we didn't have last spring. They didn't have enough games last year to play. What makes them tick? What makes them special? What makes them be able to win this job? And so we're going to start today with that. We will have it coming up next. Uh, Shotgun Spratling will join us at the LA Times. Covered CJ uh, in high school. Legendary uh, us, name. It's a great name. Yeah. Uh, it's a fantastic name. And it, it'll, it'll give us a little insight into what makes CJ uh, the front runner. And he is at this point. I think most people kind of feel like he is the front runner, but that Jack and Kyle will come for this job very hard. It is the most important thing that has to get done this spring, is in my view, and we'll get into this later on in the month as it continues, you have to walk out of this spring going, that's the guy. That's the front runner. He's going to have the job. I don't think you can play out a three-quarterback yeah. derby in no. the fall. If it at least no. has to be paired to two. I can see it. I at least want to get to the point where it's like, you know what? It's player X's job to lose. You know, like yeah. we're still going to let him battle through camp, but you know, we're we're going through as long as everything goes as planned and through early in camp. Uh, we expect it's his job to lose because the reps are too precious in fall camp to be trying to split them. Yeah, it's critical time. So we will uh, go in the Wayback Machine for a little background on C.J. Stroud and what he brings to the table. We will do so with Shotgun Spratling. He joins us next from the L.A. Times. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. What's the best way to scare your kids into submission? By blasting morning juice through the speakers. You're welcome. Morning juice. Weekdays at 6. The Fan. Bo is well-groomed. James brings the boom. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. Well, Bishop James Laurinaitis with you here. Time to get on the Bryant Heating Cooling Systems Fan Guest Hotline as we continue and begin our look at the three quarterbacks vying for the starting job at Ohio State, replacing Justin Fields. The topic of today's conversation, C.J. Stroud. And for that, we are joined by Shotgun Spratling. Covered him uh, in Southern California, writes for the L.A. Times. Shotgun, thank you so much for taking your, the time today with us. Uh, let's just start with, with your first impressions of him. How long have you, have you been around C.J.? And, and what led you to believe that, that he is a guy who can compete for this job right now? Well, CJ is an interesting kid, you know, because in Southern California, if you're not playing as a high school quarterback, you're usually transferring. There's so many kids out of here just need to get those opportunities, need to get those reps, and, you know, they decide that they want to transfer our schools. He stuck at Rancho Cucamonga uh, throughout his four years, so he didn't actually start until his junior year of high school, um, which for a kid as talented as he is, is pretty rare, but he waited it out. And we really saw him blossom, and he went from a guy that was a three-star guy going into his senior year to becoming that true five-star guy. Really, you know, sprung up on the Elite Eleven scene, and you know, took control and won the MVP of that event during the summer before his his senior year. And then we just saw the continuation of that during his senior year. He's a very humble kid. He's pretty quiet, you know, when he's going about talking to the media and everything. But then you see the switch turn on when the, when the lights come on on, on Friday nights uh, out here and uh, potentially on Saturdays for Ohio State. You know he just has that competitive streak about him, and that comes from you know his background. He's a, he was a basketball player, so that's one of the reasons why he didn't you know pop up until later because he wasn't on the seven on seven scene or anything. You know he was spending his time with the basketball team, wasn't concerned as much about the recruiting aspect. It just felt like it would come for him. And it did, and you know he just wore, he put in the work and continued, uh, you know, you know putting putting in those games day by day, and we saw it pay off for him eventually. You know, becoming a, becoming a five star guy and becoming an Ohio State uh, Buckeye. 
Yeah, sh- Shotgun, I'm, I'm wondering, what, what was it specifically? You mentioned the Elite 11 stuff, but as far as senior year, what was it about the production from CJ that really got everyone to start turning their heads? Was it just the summer leading into it? Was it the season? Did he have a... Uh, a season that I mean really stands out to everybody because I'm I, you see this guy I, I love the three star to five star climb um, I, I wish my recruiting story would have been the same I was just a three and stayed a three my whole life um, but you see this climb that this young man has and now all of a sudden it's his job to lose everyone is assuming around Columbus what was it specifically about senior year that you thought that was really propelled him along we we saw some glimpses of it as as a junior. But again, because he didn't start until his junior year, he just didn't have the game reps. And because we hadn't seen him on seven on seven uh, very much either, you know, we didn't know if you know if he had the consistency. And then you know, senior year he comes out, uh, or the the year leading into his senior year comes out and, and really proves in that lead eleven because you know he was on a team with Bryce Young, who was the number one quarterback at the time for for us in our uh, rankings, and he was the one that took over when their team went to the finals of, of that event, he was the guy that was leading the charge for them. And it was such a dynamic Southern California high school recruiting class with the quarterbacks because you had not only Bryce Young, not only C.J. Stroud, but D.J. Ungalele, uh, who's at Clemson as well, three five-star guys all you know competing against each other a, a ton of times uh, down here. And we just saw the continuation. He just continued to get better and better as he got more reps. And that was the thing we were just kind of curious all right, is he going to take that next step? Is he going to take – and he just kept improving, you know, just basically like every event we would see him at. It felt like you saw him performing a little bit better. And then the high school season, you know, he just he was on a team that had some quality players, but it wasn't the modern day or St. John Bosco teams out here are just stacked with D1 talent. Um, and he was the guy leading them and had them competing with those types of teams and games just because of his leadership and the, his ability to do so many different things in the pocket. You know, he could throw the ball. He could also get outside the pocket and run the ball. It just seemed like, I, you know, I think I wrote at one point, that it was just floating in the pocket. You know, he just never seemed to be bothered by anything. He always had a good feel of the pass rush coming uh, and when to kind of get out and escape and, and use his legs, but also staying in the pocket as long as he wanted to to try to find options often. You know, he was just very consistent with, with his accuracy as well. That was probably the most impressive thing from his junior year to senior year was the jump in accuracy for him and the work that he put in there. And we just continued, like I said, to see it each and every event, you know, the work that he had put in, what was showing off. Uh, and that's how he you know, made that rise from three to five. It's such a unique perspective you have, and it's one that we don't have because normally at this point of a, a young quarterback here in Columbus, we would have seen him in spring. We would have seen him a lot in mop-up duty, but we didn't have spring, and we didn't have mop-up duty last year because uh, you know they only played five, six games, and so there was an opportunity to see somebody play for a quarter the way that there normally would be. When you think of the type of player he is, uh, and, and I hate doing this, and yet we're trying to get into the eye of the type of player he is, who does he play like? Who does his game resemble? What are things he does well? What are things that need to be improved upon? You know, he, as far as having seen him in high school, you know, I saw Justin Fields as well. You know, I went and saw him uh, play both of the Elite 11 uh, events that they had, but also I saw him play in high school. He's not that much different as far as the way they are able to move around the pocket and, and do some different things with their legs but don't necessarily want to take off running. Uh, you know, and, and the thing about CJ is just the accuracy is what really stood out as a senior for him. Uh, you know, throwing on the high school, he could, you know, throw guys open when he wanted to. 
and he didn't have elite receivers. He had some good guys. He didn't have elite receivers, though. So he was helping them out a lot with the way that he was throwing the ball to them. You know, I I was really impressed by how he just, you know, how he continued to show that growth as a senior there. And I'm sure he's taken that even now to the next step in Columbus during his time there. Shotgun, I, I love how you said that he just floats in the pocket. And, yeah. and another thing that you described that made me think of Justin is just he wasn't all that concerned about the recruiting process. Does that seem to mm-hmm. – it's communicating to me that his demeanor is just kind of similar to – I don't want to compare him to Justin because Justin, quite frankly, if we had a normal season without a pandemic, uh, I, I still think he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play at Ohio State. He might be the best you know, as far as uh, to ever come through wearing the scarlet and gray. But I'm wondering with CJ, does he, does he have that demeanor and personality to where it's just cool, calm, and collected. To where he won't he won't rise too high and get low because that's what I look for when I was playing with somebody who was at the quarterback position. I wanted somebody who, you know, what I threw a pick. It's not the end of the world. I've played with guys who have had that personality. I've played with guys who, you know, they threw a pick and they're blaming the wide receiver. And you're like, hold on a second, you know what I mean? So I've played with both. I'm wondering, does CJ have that personality to where he's kind of just even headed level, um, if you will, like Justin was. Yeah, he, he does. I mean, he, he is very calm. Now he's competitive. Don't don't take that away uh, from him. Uh, he yeah. he will get on his receivers and stuff as well. You know, when when uh, especially in practices and stuff, if something if the, the offense didn't win a drill or something, he he was quick to get on a guy as well. But he he is very his demeanor is just you know he, he's very relaxed. You know, he doesn't over exude himself at any point. And I think that comes be, from. Being a you know playing basketball and being a point guard for for the the Rancho Cucamonga uh, Cougars, you know he was the guy that was you know asked to kind of de- deliver the, the the ball to everyone and kind of feed the you know lead the offense, feed the process, and you see that as a quarterback too, where he doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low, and it's just okay. What's the next step? What do we got to do? And you know it, it's it's very easy to make the comparison to Justin Fields because hey, he's following him and everything. But because I've seen both of the guys in high school, I probably would make the same comparison if he was at Texas or he was at Alabama or anywhere else, just because they're very similar in, in a lot of the ways that they go about their game. Uh, and, and I think it is the personality is very similar. Now, I'm curious to see where CJ has grown. Um, and you know, like you guys said, that you haven't seen the spring ball. I'm curious to see him as well. I've been, been looking forward to seeing his growth there and what he learned from Justin behind him. So I, I think it's going to be a, a fun Spring, uh, you know, when, if they're able to get there as expected, and then follow that competition that's going on. Shaka, this was awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, getting up early with us. We appreciate you a great deal. No problem. Thanks for having me. Good stuff there. That's Shotgun Spratling. Covered C.J. Stroud at the L.A. Times and in high school and gave some incredible perspective there. It's interesting you keyed on that floating, too. I chuckled when he said it because it's it's such a unique way to describe a quarterback. And you, th- I've never heard anybody say that before, but that's what you would want. It would you'd want yeah. that, <laughs> right? Yeah, it, it it describes almost like an elegance yeah. in the pocket, right? There there's a there's a smoothness to it. Um, yeah, not rigid. It's it's a fluid. You know, Justin was very fluid in the pocket, like he was comfortable in there. But oh, here's a guy blitzing. Let me just slide over here. Let me just roll out over here casually. Um, you know, you're playing on a freshman on NCAA back in the day. Yep. And you have an athletic just quarterback. Chilling. You know, 
Yeah, no, that's good. So we'll do Jack Miller tomorrow, do Kyle Cord uh, on Friday. Uh, good stuff there. Uh, we hit three things in your first Friday, officially endorsed. I think you probably know where we're going with this one. Uh, we do that coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. You love sports. We love sports. You love the Buckeyes. We love the Buckeyes. You love your mom. We love your mom. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Hey. A show that knows its limitations. Still learn to control that. You're listening to Bishop and Laurinaitis. And it is a St. Patrick's Day first Friday edition of the program. We will act accordingly. Hit a chopper. You drink for the wrong reasons. My generation, we drink because it's good. Because it feels better than unbuttoning your collar. Because we deserve it. We drink because it's what men do. Well, and this is an opportunity to do so in style. Uh, we, we will go Irish here. And there's a, a few ways that you can do this. Uh, you can go with the Jameson, which is tried and true. Uh, you can go with the Bushmills, although there's, you know, certainly some, some stuff there. Uh, I think both of those are fine. Uh, I would go with my favorite Irish whiskey, which is Redbreast. Their 15 year variety is absolutely a, a fantastic whiskey from any place, let alone the fact that the benefit of it coming from Ireland. So I would order a Redbreast 15 year over a big rock with a Guinness back, and I would make sure that I pay attention to that surge and the savor, as uh, our good buddy Fergal Murray taught us in the first uh, segment of the program. So that would be my order, and that would be my officially endorsed on this first Friday. Make sure you act accordingly on St. Patrick's Day, kids. Time for three things. Hit it, chop. One, two, one, two, three things with Bishop and Laurenitis. Sponsored by Custom Air. Custom Air. Custom Solutions. Custom Comfort. The number one for me, the most important sports team in my youth was the Showtime Lakers. Uh, the Magic, Magic Johnson, my favorite athlete of all time. The Showtime Lakers were my squad. Loved them to death. This news that HBO is doing a Showtime Lakers series has me incredibly worried. Uh, hey, it's really hard. It's really hard to pull off. Uh, basketball or sports in general in a in a series because you, you're exposed right away for not being any good, and then second of all, I don't know that we need to know what happened in the '80s in Los Angeles. We maybe we maybe don't need to see all of that. Yeah, I see I they cast Adrian Brody as Pat Riley. Side. I'm a little yeah I'm a little nervous about that. Um, look, well, but it's on show. It's on HBO, so I I will give it a run because I give anything they do a run. But I am pretty nervous about it. My first thing, it turns out, I don't know how you and your wife are, but I, when it comes to directions, mm-hmm. I like to lazily just, I listen to Google Maps or Apple, whatever you want to use, right? Waze, whatever you want to do. I just don't want to think about it, right? I want to think about, it. am I supposed to turn left here? Should I go this way? I, I, set a, I set a route and I go. Whatever it tells me fastest, that's what I do. Okay. My bride cannot fathom that if you're going somewhere in Dublin, it is faster for us to go west to get on 33 versus just sure. going east, the shortest route, over the sawmill. Yep. And so if I even go left out of our neighborhood and go down Jerome Road, instead of going right and going down you know, Concord that turns into Mirfield, yeah. it's like a mind blow. Like, why'd you go left? Well, it says faster <laughs> here. Who said faster? Apple. I don't care what Apple says. It's not faster. I'm like, well, technically, it's a minute it's faster. It's wrong direction. That is our that was our fight yesterday. It's technically a minute faster. BS. That's all she says back. BS. I'm like, don't don't yell at me. Yell at Apple. 
I, I'm on her side, actually. I think sometimes it unnecessarily to save a minute routes you onto the highway. But I would whatever. absolutely do that. I would do that every time. I would it's never faster, do that. I think more it's, efficient. I think it's, it's the faster. worst thing to do. It's just so much easier to drive on service streets. If I want to get opinion. there in 16 minutes, I'll go faster. If I want to get there in 17 minutes, I'll wait a minute and go the other way. My first thing, Kit has been great so far. We adopted the dog. We brought her home Sunday. Uh, it's been awesome. We uh, still need to crate train her because the crate hasn't gotten here yet. We did have it. It was here on time, and then it was damaged, and then they had to send a different one out. So that's not been unfortunate, but it's going to probably be pretty hard to push her out of like sleeping in the bed uh, in the coming days. But today was the first day where I had to leave her, so I hope she's doing all right. Yeah, she'll, she'll be all right, buddy. Uh, number two for me in the in a series of this is what married life is all about. <laughs> so the first vacation that uh, the blonde and I went on was to Grand Cayman. Um, at that vacation, and she does this every time we go to a, a tropical destination. She doesn't do it any other time of the year. She orders a pina colada. On that very first vacation, she ordered a pina colada at the at the hotel bar uh, at the pool, and they said, "Do you want a floater?" And she said, "Yes." So everybody knows that that means an extra shot of rum on top of the pina colada, or most people think that. <laughs> After she did it, she goes, "Well, this is no good. It's too strong." And I said, "Well, why did you order the floater?" She goes, "Well, what's that?" And I said, "Well, why are you ordering it?" And she said. Well, because I thought that that would make it better. And I said, no, it's more liquor. Like, if you want more liquor, that's the way that it makes it better. And she goes, okay, well, I won't make that mistake again. We have gone on probably a dozen tropical vacations in the 12 years since. Last weekend, she did it again. And she does it on every vacation. She orders a pina colada with a floater. She takes a sip, and she goes, this is no good. It's too strong. And every time, I just chuckle and laugh. I don't ever stop her. I let her do it so that the mistake yeah. can be made, and it's yeah. just... Pr- That's marriage, kids. Yes, it it's is. It's the little victories you can have along the way. Yes, it is. No doubt. The little I told you so. And then you have yep. to choose wisely oh, whether yeah. I... Do I actually say this, or do I just feel it deep down hmm. in my own soul? That is the, that is the, the battle. Um... Look, I don't know what it is about our babies. Um, really, No, not London. Our last two. I don't know what it is, but there's just a whole phase of clothes that we're not going to use. All right? Our, our sweet girl is already, Remy, is already going to be in size two diapers. She needs to get there. She is growing obnoxiously fast. She turns two months tomorrow. And yeah. Shelly walks by. Cersei walks by. Bumps me. I look at her while you're talking as if, like, what are you doing? And she looks at me as, like, you're talking sports. Shut your mouth. Anyway, <laughs> and then she takes <laughs> the six-month bin out. That's where we're at with Remy. She's not even two wow. months yet. My second thing, we're talking all the dog today. She's such a good girl. She's a little puppy, so she's still running around. And there's only two modes with her right now. It's either needs a toy, nipping at your hands, running around the house, or just zonked out completely on the floor. There's nothing else. It's the best. There's, there's no in between. Uh, finally, for me, last night it was incredible. It was like 50 degrees, and the boys are outside shooting hoops, and uh, two sets of neighbors walked by. we got a great neighborhood here, and two sets of neighbors walked by and chatted. That's like a quarter-mile walk and, to get to your neighbor, but go on. <laughs> it's a long long walk down the down the gated driveway. And, uh, and anyway, so they're walking through, and it occurred to me, like, Ohioans, we are like bears coming out of hibernation. Mm. It's like, oh, I haven't seen you in six months. How have you yeah. been? How's, yeah. How was the winter? That's No question. That's really the way it is. It's, it was a stunning a realization yesterday. No question. Um, the thing I miss most about the NFL is being in the locker room. And this group text this morning, and all show, it's still going on. It's still going on. I mean, Will Hayes again with this one. I feel a lot better now, guys. Gurley goes, why? 
because me and Brock both got traded for seventh routers. <laughs> and and Gurley goes, man, you got traded for a stapler. He's like, yep, they traded Brock for a game-ready icing machine. And I was, I'm just sitting here. I don't even have to contribute. I can just click the, the ha-ha little thing to it. <laughs> but, bro, this is what I miss the That's most great. is the banter going back and forth has been so entertaining. Last thing, best part for me so far is having a partner now on my walks when I when I go out. And she's a little curious, so she, there's a lot of stopping, but I can tell she's going to be along for the ride. She's starting to get going. And when she wants to get going, she can walk pretty fast. Very exciting. This is exciting. Chops has a buddy. I love it. Uh, it is St. Patrick's Day. It is First Friday. Act accordingly, kids. Rothman and Ice coming up next. Bishop and Laurinaitis right here on The Fan. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.